Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is one of my uh, absolute favorite cartoonists in the entire world, and I, I really do love cartoons. He's so amazing. Bruce Eric Kaplan. He's also an amazing writer, uh, TV producer for girls. He worked on Seinfeld. He's worked on Six Feet Under, just about a billion different things that are all amazing. Uh, one of the most thoughtful people I've met, one of the funniest people I know. He's great and, uh, and just the perfect amount of weird just for us to get into it. And, uh, and to relate on our different weirdnesses. So let's get to that as quickly as possible. Um, I do want to plug, when, when is it? March 9th, I'm going to be at Largo in Los Angeles. This is the monthly show we're doing. They've been so great. It's always wonderful to meet people afterwards, and, and uh, so many weirdos are coming out, and that means so much to me. So thank you, guys. And if you would like, come on out on March, I believe, 9th. How did I forget that between the first time and the second time? March 9th here in L.A. Go to Largo-LA.com for tickets, and I hope to see you there. Uh, Before we get to Bruce, we do have an ad. Today's episode, you know this because they're such a wonderful sponsor to us, is Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. So start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD at checkout to get 10% off and your purchase. <laughs> I said it like there was something else. To get 10% off your purchase. Squarespace, you should. Get into it, guys. Enjoy the episode. Hope to see you at Largo on March 9th. In the meantime, enjoy the wonderful, the insanely creative, one of the best speed rounds we've ever had, Bruce Eric Kaplan. We're done when we're done, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you have to go, we can be done. You know, I'm okay, but I just want to, is there a bathroom break? People take bathroom breaks. Okay. How's the bladder? It's, I mean, it's, it's not good. Here, sit down. Let's talk about bladders. <laughs> It's like sometimes if I have, sometimes it can be good, and other times I'm just like I have to go. And I can't talk if, unless I go. I uh, how how old are you? Do you mind? No, not at all. Fifty one. Fifty one. Good looking man. Thank you. You're doing good. <laughs> You're doing good. I read I was a child, and uh, I got the title right. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I just had a little panic. Yeah, yeah put those on if you like. Um, you you don't have to. Some people don't. Did we already start? Yeah, we can start. I want to talk. Has about- it already happened? Oh yeah, okay. Well, t- <laughs> yeah, really, you should ask him. Yeah. Maybe I just talk and he throws it right. on whenever he wants. But um, God, what was I saying? I was a child, but you said, oh, "What? What were we saying right before I brought up your book?" My bladder. No, that My you're good age. looking. Oh yeah, good looking. How did you forget that? Come on. But it, it's funny. I think there's an interesting motivating factor to being uh, healthy. And I was thinking about this today as I drink my my green juice. Is your parents? <laughs> Your family. Because why? Because you see, like in my instance, I see my dad eating like a leg of a lamb. You know what I mean? And just kind of like slogging. He's fine. He's But they're not like, he's not like a fit person. So you have this like way of rebelling that is like, well, I'm going to be a healthy guy. Right, that might be neither of my parents were that healthy. Is that I thought I picked that up in the book. Right. Oh yeah, because I have the thing about you, exercising. Yeah, you said I that. never saw anyone exercise. That's exactly I, right. I didn't know any parents that exercised. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, they just ate cream cheese. That was it. <laughs> you know. Put cigarette out in cream cheese right. when done. Yeah. Puts, 
I knew yeah. a lot of smokers. Right? Yeah. It was a sure. different time. Yeah. We grew up in different times. Right. First of all, I should compliment that book, and I should also say that you're very welcome, and I'm thrilled to have you on. Oh, me too. I'm great. It's happy. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you're happy to be here. That makes me glad. We were talking about how we sh- we should have met by now. Mm-hmm. We should have met by now. All right. We didn't. No. Because we were in the, the, the New Yorker, but you were submitting from L.A. Right. Right. And you were submitting from New York? I was going in. Oh, going like weekly to... If I couldn't schmooze my way in, it wasn't going to happen. So how many art meetings did you go to? Like years? Like It was over a year. And it, it was... was uh, yeah, 10. Oh. I was a big resubmitter. Uh-huh. I, I still would be if I did it. I, I just don't think they're right. Really? <laughs> I, nev- I never resubmit. What? Unless they tell me to resubmit, I don't resubmit. Why? You just take no for an answer? Yeah, and I always feel like um, I'm the same person who did the, the one that got rejected. And so I will, I mean, I only have so many thoughts. I yeah. have like, you know, three thoughts. So I, they just keep going in, in circles and repeating. So I feel like, eh, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing new versions. It'll come back. It'll come back, like It'll unconsciously. Back. It, it does. Yeah. yeah. And it does. You're yeah. absolutely, and as a stand-up, that's similar too. Like I don't write things down as uh, obsessively as I did at the beginning because I notice that they just come back. You yeah. have this neural pathway system going. You're going to say that. Right. And it's like you, you, if you're the type of person who like gets frustrated by someone walking slowly on a crosswalk, it's, yeah. it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. <laughs> don't yeah. worry. The, I, I've, people have heard all my cartoon stories, but the one that I resubmitted over and over and over, it's, I, when I sold my first one mm-hmm. – Matt Diffie, you know Matt Diffie, yeah. talked to Bob Mankoff. This is like, who, this is what I call who cares dish. This is 10 years ago. I don't submit anymore. But I remember Mankoff was hesitant because I was too much like you. Really? Yeah. He was protective of you. How could anyone be too much like me? Well, I'll tell you my my idea. Okay. And you tell me if this isn't something that you maybe could do. Okay. Not to say that I could do what you do, but it's in your family mm-hmm. of thought. It's two angels. Gigantic wings. Right, in, already, in, I, in I, heaven. I, I love heaven. <laughs> I love. I do. <laughs> I do too. Like if I could only do heaven cartoons, yeah. I'd be fun. Go on. Ian Diffie, who grew up religious, wanted to put out a book called God Tunes. Bad, mm-hmm. bad name, but just religious cartoons right. because that's my favorite. We and, and then I ended up taking all these rejected because they were all rejected. Mm-hmm. Heaven cartoons, and we did a series of uh, shorts for a talk show that I did called Heaven, where they were all. Right. The rejected ideas. Sounds great. It, it, was, but it was very liberating to be like, well, they won't take them here. We'll just put right. them over here. Because I really had a hard time with the rejection of it all. It was difficult. As it, We'll get to yours. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, because that, that's, that's what I just wrote down. Okay. You, two angels. Two angels. Big, big giant ones. wings. It's important that the wings are giant. Mm-hmm. Caption. And they look, they look the way that you and I draw people, which is kind of vacant. Wouldn't you say? I have no idea. You know, you're, in fact, you're, you're, I, I think of my people as very deep, but, you know. Well, there, there's a depth to vacancy. <laughs> I guess That's so. where you put all the stuff. <laughs> someone, very once, deep. someone once told me my people were fat, and I couldn't believe it. They I was, like, fat. so angry. Yeah, they're like, boxy. I, how dare you talk about them that way? <laughs> but they yeah, are. Yeah, boxy. That's they're boxy they, and That's fat. what they then went on to say. If your it's character like, took its shirt off, people would be like, look at that guy. Right. He's eating some cream cheese. Right. All right. <laughs> but you protect him. Anyway, the caption is, I miss back rubs. Because you can't get a background. No, no, I know. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking the question is, is that mine? I don't, it does seems different from me. Okay, I good. I agree. Because it's mine. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. That's, that was my thing. Was like, I'll, you, were, you, were, you were a huge inspiration to me. Oh, thanks. The cartoon that did it 
literally the cartoon that did it was one of yours, and you're very smart to put your the B E K. It's very memorable, mm-hmm. and this was pre Google, like pre like Google what it is now. Mm-hmm. But I was like cartoonist box boxy signature you know what i mean and you find it right. like people that that's good and the one that you did that i saw that i was like oh this is something that i i need to do this is a guy that i think is really really funny what do, what do people say when they normally say things like this do you have a cartoon that people are always referencing no not at all really i'm not like you know mankoff has that one about yeah, like yeah. how about never, never? Yeah. yeah exactly i don't <laughs> i don't think i have one of those mine is uh, so helen tells me you're dead oh that cartoon blew my dick off. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. You know, so for people have heard me tell the story because I told this story without you here. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a guy at a cocktail party talking to a skeleton. So Helen tells me you're dead. Uh-huh. It's the most like, it's just like a blanket laid on you that you really like. It's oh, like, thanks. you know what I mean? It's comfortable. It's wry. It's, it's unexpected. The New Yorker is so like... You know, Christ, what an asshole, sort of stuff, and and that was just playful enough that that it really reinvited invited me in as a younger person. That's great. But wait, yeah. what's Christ, what an asshole? You haven't heard that? No, what is that? Well, the caption contest can be won with Christ, what an asshole, no matter what what the drawing is. Right. I know you. you I'm thinking. I'm, I'm disagree scro- with that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm I'm scrolling through images and thinking. <laughs> there's one about well, picture. Link, there's one about LinkedIn. This oh yeah, like yeah, 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 a month yeah. ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. LinkedIn is a big one. Right, but there's some was, caption that has like, Aristotle can look it up. If it's you like, want. "Hi, I'm a member. I'm inviting you." To oh do. yeah, and, that, and that, they applied that to all the. Yeah, stop couch. inviting me on LinkedIn or something. Mm-hmm. But think about like Alex Gregory. Uh, it's the sushi chef, and there's a giant squid with two knives. Christ, mm-hmm. Christ, what an asshole! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not great. Yeah, exactly. The thing you could apply it. It's just not going to make you laugh that much. But it won't me. not work. Right, it can work. Right? It won't not work. Yeah. It could still, be saying that it'll yeah. scratch the part that you're like that. Kind of makes sense. Right. Although yours are different. That was another big thing was yours were two people talking, which is the type of movies that I like. It's mm-hmm. the type of comedy that I like. It's just like a little lifeline to loneliness a lot of Well, times. I never understood uh, – I haven't done the cartoon caption contest. Like I haven't you know, submitted a drawing. But I don't understand why they don't have like two people on a couch – for the cartoon caption, and then anyone could write anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand, but why is that funny? Why is that funny? Because yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah, but ha- they, they do the opposite. It's a very, very specific it's image. Got, because, they, because they want the satisfaction. If you did that, there could be 10,000 winners. With the caption contest, there can only be one or two perfect captions. And people like feeling like, I nailed it. Right. Which, I guess what I'm looking for is something from someone's personal life in a in, in a cartoon. And I feel like if if you gave them something that was at that like a couple in bed yeah. or something like that, then you could get anything from the. But how do you life. determine the winner? Well, whichever one is most interesting to you you're, or funny. Okay, but then, like, you're going to be turning down. Do you really think you're going to get that many good ones? Well, you know, it's funny. Old old Bobby Mankoff told me that the winning caption, like 10, 15, 20 people will submit that caption. Right, because of the specificity. Because it's perfect. Right. Like Divi had the one where someone's wrapped in a boa constrictor and the caption was, uh, he must smell my boa constrictor. Does that make sense? No. It's like, he must smell my dog. I don't know that. Do you if, mean dogs? If, if they I come, smell like a dog, another a dog, dog will come and I'm not a dog show person, more. So <laughs> you're a very honest person. <laughs> I'm picking this up about you. Is you're just like, okay, I'll, I'll say I will. I will laugh while I think about it, right. and you're like, I will withhold the laugh while I. But you know what? I, I like that. 
I'm. You don't have to like it. That's what's so great. What's going on here? Are you a fully realized person? <laughs> have you done a lot of work? Yeah, constantly. Are you? Yeah, day and night. Yeah? I saw I did research on you, and I see, like, you're out there questioning and hoping and finding and searching. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For so I'm sure. like, yeah, same thing. Is it? Constant. Really? Yeah. Every day? A, a lot. Every moment? Anything. I'll do, you know, Marianne Williamson. I'll do, like, Buddhism. I'll do, uh, you know, what seems, anything, you know. It's, it, it rang as Buddhist to me to be – something I work on is, is uh, it's strange what people need and, and what people will affirm without you asking them to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. I like I like your shirt and you're like, well, you're assuming that I feel weird about my shirt or that that's valuable to me. But we live in that world. Right. Liking photos, liking posts. Right. Validating. I don't want to be validated. <laughs> Can I tell you? You just reminded me of a cartoon. <laughs> Therapist talking right. to a car. Right. Okay. Giant car. Therapist says, uh, I want to get it right. But he says, uh, at a certain point, I'd like us to get to a place where you can validate your own parking. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just going to allow you to think. But you're smiling. How would you improve that? <laughs> I don't. I think I don't get it. I really do. Wait, I think because the car doesn't validate the park. Wow, you're really going there. Yeah, you're Is really thinking about it. No, no, no. You're you're taking it to a level that I would hope the the viewer wouldn't take it to. You're absolutely right. The car's parking. They're... It's not the car's parking, right? right? I suppose yeah. it's the driver's yeah, exactly. parking. It will be a man in a car. Mm, that, that now that ruins the fun for me. Right. Why, so this was one of yours. <laughs> yeah, that's one of mine that they didn't buy. All right, <laughs> you're just agreeing with old Bob Mancock. Is that terrible? Aristotle laughed. <laughs> you can validate your own parking. People get that. You're laughing that I don't get it, or laughing at the cartoon. Laughing at the cartoon and the situation. Yeah. Okay. I think it's both. I can't believe you remember your cartoons. I don't even remember cartoons that I did, like, you know, this morning. I really don't. It, they're like dreams to me. So, yeah. So, you know how you forget a dream if you don't write it down or something like that? Like, you don't, it's not like they stay with you days later. I wonder so, which of us could name more of your cartoons. You're thinking me, probably. Yeah. I doubt it. Come on. Come on. I don't, they don't stay with me. They really, like, they're in the past, you know, sort of like I don't, they don't. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's almost like a, um, a, a technique or a, a, a mechanism for going forward, like I, you well, know, let, let it go. As diaries, too, yeah. a little snapshot of your life. Right. And I agree with that. Tell it, you have a better story. I referenced, your, your story was inspiring to me. You, you submitted for how many years? Years. Uh, a few years, a uh, long time ago, like 25 years ago. But more than two years. Yeah. I, I had it down to six years. I think less than six years, definitely less than six years, but I never missed a, car- a meeting, which was, you know, very, there were, there were once a week. And back then, they, they never skipped them. Maybe they right. missed one a year or two a year. That's it. Right. But minimum, I still 50 get the art meetings. That they're like, it's off. It's not, it's <laughs> not happening. No right. meeting this week. Well, now uh, I started doing it, you know, and this was late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the magazine was actually, I believe, it was 52 weeks a year. And now with double issues, I think it's down to 40 something right? issues a year. I didn't know that. But you're saying so now we're back on? Yeah, now we're back on. We'll put it, we'll put it here. I always prop it up a little you so mean, it can fall. <laughs> you mean you, this has happened before? No, I've recorded on the Zoom oh. without the mics, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What were you saying? You were telling the story oh, about, about how, how many long... times, of, yeah, like doing it, never missed an art meeting. It became like Paul Bunyan esque for me that I would tell your story. Mm-hmm. That I would be like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That I would be like, well, Sarah Kaplan submitted for years. Right. No, he it's did. true. And you, yeah, you probably added a year. I did add time. years. But it was a year, it was, even if it's only like between two and three years, it's 50 meetings a year. I never once only got myself a dress stamped envelope back every single time. So we're, it's in the hundreds of things it, because it's 10 to 15 cartoons. Wait, what did they send back? There's this form letter. Uh, oh, you got the rejected well, postcard. The, yeah, I mean, it's not, a, I mean, in my time, it's this flimsy piece of paper that, that's not a full piece of paper that says, we regret to inform you that we're not interested in the attached, the editors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's the same. I think they still have it. I think they do, too. It, I'm mistaking it for a postcard because it's postcard shaped. Yeah, But they exactly. put it in an envelope. Right, right. Mankoff, in his book, talked about, uh, he had so many of them, he could line his uh, bathroom with them. Sure, of yeah. course. I have so many still, like, in storage. I saved every single one. You did? L- literally every single one. I do not I have every single rejection slip that they sent me. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> when the mics went off, by the way, I pitched uh, Bruce another cartoon. He didn't laugh, and then I said, because you're a cartoonist, I said, it must be so hard being you, and you said... It's the worst. <laughs> it is. It's the worst. It must be very difficult having yourself as a critic. Anyway. Okay, yeah, so same... So, hundred. oh, because it was 10 to 15 a week that I do and did, uh, over, you know, a few years, that's in the thousands of, of drawings, you know. So it is, no matter how you slice it, an enormous amount of rejection before yeah. the first acceptance. My question is: Yeah, you sell your first one. Mm-hmm. Floodgates have opened because you've proven that you are willing to do the volume. Do you? And please, will you go back and look at your old cartoons? Those first four, let's say it was four years. There have to be at least four hundred great ones. You know, I don't know. There really aren't. I I have ten cartoons in my house. As I said, I have a storage facility. I mean, I have you know storage unit somewhere. And there's tons of old ones in there. But in my house, I have 10 old ones from the first year that I, like, culled for some... I think to to get writing jobs, I culled, like, these are the best of the cartoons. And I looked at them fairly recently, like, within the last five years, and I was like, these aren't that good. I mean, visually, they're really not good, because I... The drawing style is still coming along? Yeah, I'm auto autodidactic or, you know, autodidactic. You know, I didn't what does go that to, mean? I didn't go to art school. <laughs> ah, so I really yourself. taught myself how to draw. Somebody needs to teach me that word. <laughs> <laughs> now you have how to draw. <laughs> um, but you went to art school? I didn't, no. In fact, every week, Mankov would, uh, the cartoon editor about Mankov would edit, uh, at roast, he would roast my drawings. Mm-hmm. He would say they look like chickens or that I drew it with my feet. I know. What's weird about that is that, like, what does it matter? And I tell this to my kids. Like, what does it matter how it looks if it looks good to you? Meaning that, you know, I was, uh, because I didn't have any art school training, I looked at Thurber's from the past and I thought, like, these are beautiful. You know, Mm. it's like Thurber has, is the most raw, primitive style, but, you know, he's a great artist, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if, you know, there's many artists in the New Yorker who are facile and very technically gifted, 
but they may not be as artistic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I, your cartoons may be the most artistic things in the world. Right. Who cares if they look like they were drawn by a chicken? <laughs> I actually have something on the wall of my office that's drawn by an elephant and it's beautiful. You know, it's like, really? I guess people do this in people. That's bizarre. I think it's a tourist thing from India some, or, or somewhere. Someone brought me back, or Thailand, someone brought me back this thing that an One elephant... One of the elephant places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> somewhere where elephants run wild and yeah. have fun yeah. and are in captivity drawing things for tourists. Right, right, so, right. Uh, But this thing is beautiful, and I guess I have it on my wall because it's an inspiration to me, you know? Yeah, no, that is that is lovely. And, and there, uh, I just noticed that, that that really threw me. That clock that I always look at that has the word meltdown in neon is out because the power is out. Right. Don't, it's you, like we're going down together. I know. Well, you said once it went out and we lost the recording that your mind immediately goes to okay. There's hearts. a disaster. Yeah. You know what's going on? Where yeah. should we go? Yeah. Are we? You know, you and I and, and you we're all going to be in this now. It's yeah. going to be a bond that, like, you know, ten years from now, it's like we were in that nuclear attack together. <laughs> I go that way too. In fact, I'll do you one worse. When the lights dim at the movies for a second, I always think I'm dying. Hmm. Like, I'm like, right, that makes sense. are the lights dimming or am I passing? Right. <laughs> I have one when the music fades on the radio, I think a call's coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that one? Well, no, that's very reasonable. I thought you were going to say, I think I'm going deaf. <laughs> no. But you just think a call is coming that in. That is just the radio. <laughs> what about the light? See, it doesn't surprise me at all. You write books and sometimes in your bio it'll say, you're a cartoonist, and you have a whole separate life right. as a TV person, as mm-hmm. a TV producer. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Do you find... Because I thought that the guys that just do cartooning seemed a little bit uh, stir-crazy. Does that make sense? I needed more outlets than just the isolation of drawing and submitting. That that would have driven me nuts. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah, think? absolutely. Although I also think the same of TV writers. I remember being in a, in a, a half-hour room... Comedy room on a, on a half hour network show, like about, I don't know, 15 years ago or even longer, looking around everyone at the room, and I felt like they were going insane. And I was That's like, funny. I got my cartoons. I That's, don't know if you guys are crazy. That's funny. <laughs> you know what? That You talk about Zen and stuff. That's my, my spiritual pursuits, is my other right, hobby. Right. When I get a real glimpse at how vapid and shallow show business can be or superficial, I go, at least I, I can always dive into that really hard. I'm just talking about the frustrations artistically. Like, you know, not even it is all the things you say, but I just feel like same thing as what you're saying about the cartoons is there's something very, there can be something very frustrating about it artistically, I think. It's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, let's not say frustrating, let's say specific. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that, you know, uh, with both jobs, it's like, it's so important to to have another channel for your creativity. I actually was just saying this to my wife. I was like, I don't understand people who don't have many channels of their creativity. Mm-hmm. Like a potter who just makes pottery. Like, wouldn't they benefit from also doing something else? Because the the for me, the idea wants to be a specific thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wants to manifest. I don't mean that in the spiritual way. It wants to be made in the thing that's perfect for it. Right. And I've said this many times on the podcast, some ideas are cartoons and some ideas are movies. Right. And some ideas are just something you might say in a conversation right. because it was an interesting little anecdote that you thought. Most things are things that should just stay in <laughs> just the... Keep you know, to yourself. Yeah, just think, not yeah. even say in the conversation. <laughs> but some things are songs and stuff. Yeah, but like if absolutely. you only do yeah. uh, poster board you know, collages, then I, I would understand that that would be limiting. And I saw some frustration 
in the cartoonists that I that I knew when I was there. Right. I, I can. I don't know that many that well, but I, it seems. I, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. But then you went into. But I will say, I was just at the Conan's uh, Christmas party. Conan O'Brien. No, I know who. I figured there's only oh, one. Right? Yeah, Unless it was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was slaughtering. But when you say Conan's crazy. Christmas party, it's like his TV shows Christmas. His like, TV shows Christmas party. Like yes. they have an annual. Stuff, yes. But you work on the show. No. No. You just uh, crashed. I the talk show I did was with Conan. Uh, oh, so he produced it. Yeah, he produced it. Okay. Yeah, I could have used the showbiz term. He produced it. <laughs> so I'm still kind of in the in, in the, the Conan world, in the world of Conico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Now you're really out showbizing me. Yeah. So they don't have to, but they do, and they're very. It's very nice. So we go. You're still on the list. On the list to quote Bruce Eric Kaplan, I don't want to be invited to the. I don't want to go to the party. I just want to be invited. Did I say that? You did say that. Jesus, man. <laughs> You are a void. You're a mountain of emptiness. Right. And that's a good thing. <laughs> but it's terrifying. It's really true. That's how I feel. You said that. I, I am agreeing with myself. <laughs> All right. So wait. So at Conan's the party. Oh, I could Conan. spot the writers a mile away. Mm-hmm. And and I, these are friends of mine. These are people I know. But they're the They just have a certain look. Right. It's not literally hunched over, but there's something hunched over about them. So I understand that uh, we have a tendency to go that way. I'm sure I have some sort of stand-up stank on me, too. Mm. So it's nice to have... I'm with you. I'm agreeing. No. I'm not, I don't feel that you're places. not with me. Did you read the thing in the paper yesterday about cell phones that we're all hunching over them and it's making us miserable? No, really? It's yeah. like a posture thing? Yeah. Did you read this? It was in like uh, the op-ed page in the Times. It was by the woman who wrote... Who did a TED Talk that said we're supposed to go like this? I did. It's funny that you mentioned that because I love you that did TED it? Talk. Did you do it before? Before we my talk show? No, no, I didn't. I should. <laughs> but backstage at the talk show, I used to put my hands up like that. Like That's one, right? Big, and, and then, then, then this is the other. The like Superman Wonder Woman. pose. Yeah, Superman. It, or Wonder Woman. Like. But I, when I was doing a field piece or something, which was so, uh, could be very uncomfortable, you have to go in like a candle shoppy and be like, hey, uh, what do you do with the extra wax? You ever right. uh, smoke joints? And it was so intimidating that I would stand like Superman all the time mm-hmm. to keep the old confidence up. But she said... She's an expert, as we know. And she, yeah, she said, it's making us miserable to to go like this, to look at a phone, to look downward. You guys can't see me who are listening, but <laughs> I'm looking downward at a cell phone. Everyone knows what it looks like. It's, it's, it's making us very unhappy yeah. uh, psychologically. So you the know, physiological so, yes, aspect exactly. makes us unhappy. Sa- yes, the same way the power pose makes you happy. feel strong, yeah. the looking at your cell phone makes you miserable. I believe it. Yeah. I I was driving. I didn't have my phone. My girlfriend left her phone in a hotel. Mm -hmm. So I gave her my phone because I was coming here to do a podcast. I was driving in every red light. You know when you catch yourself feeling like an animal? Just like a Pavlov dog or something? Every red light, I reached for the phone that wasn't there. Right. Totally. Do I really need to check my email yeah. every three minutes? I check this, you know, Twitter and stuff, which is even worse. Like the blacklist. I was just at a stoplight reading like what screenplays are on the blacklist. It's like <laughs> I don't even care. I don't even go to movies. I don't even go to movies. I, and so, like this idea, like that, I'm reading like every single blacklist yeah. screenplay. Yeah, it's crazy. silly. Yeah, but the, the hotel we left at, we were in uh, Hawaii, and we were there for. Are you familiar with Ramdas? Yes, and I've I've listened to to your one of your podcasts. You did about, the Krishna Das yeah, one, exactly. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really interesting. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. So, that, a big part of that retreat, in fact, I would pay to go to a retreat where you just don't use your phone. Right, exactly. That was like the right. main right. thing. We thought it was like, oh, we're all eating together and you can swim. I think a lot of it had, to, and every day I would go back to my room, 
and there would my phone be, and I would look at it, and it'd be like two two texts. Yeah. Turns out, if you're not sending them, you yeah. don't get them. Like everything's fine. Everybody like is totally copacetic, letting you go, yeah. and we keep the plate spinning. I remember. I love the the you know the days of the answering machine, and you would spend a day like out in the world, and yeah. then you'd come home in ten hours from the end, and you'd be like. No messages. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I knew it was horrible, but I loved the no message. Yeah. No, there's not even a blinking light. You're it's, like, a, and then you'd play it like it yeah. must be broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? The light. I'm sure someone left messages. I, it's so great. Yeah, I was so. I missed the answering machines. I miss answering machines too. It was a little treat when you came home. Just those little cassettes that you would like have to, you know, get new ones. Oh, I, and yeah. you would save messages on those little, like if yeah. someone left you like a crazy one, yeah. you'd be like, okay, that one I'm going to keep and lift out that little cassette. For sure. I but, have some of those old crazy messages, but now I have no way of playing, playing them. them right? You need I'm to sure. keep the machine too. You got to keep that machine. Well, I didn't know at the time that we wouldn't have the mini yeah. cassette. Yeah. You, know? you thought that was a forever medium. <laughs> I also noticed that when we were in Hawaii, neither of us were using our phones. More like, okay, you write, you wrote on the American uh, sitcom Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, it was called Seinfeld at the time. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> but you'll notice, yeah, you you got in while the getting was good. First of all, amazing show, uh -huh. but it was also pre pre cell phone. If you watch Seinfeld now, right. 99% of their conflict could be solved with a cell oh, phone. Oh, really? I never see them. So, like, what, you mean, because what, like, what would be a story that uh, you could solve with a cell phone? Uh, well, this isn't the best example, but it's the first one that comes to mind. That the Chinese restaurant, and the way that one ends is they leave, and then they call them. They go, Seinfeld, right. four, right. and that's how it ends, and it's big and funny. Now, you give your number to the Mater D. There's no, it's not Cheesecake Factory with a mm -hmm. vibrating space pager. They, they call you. You could be three miles away. You would know your table was ready. So there's one. Well, you could still do the episode. You would just have a different ending. <laughs> you are trapped in a cage of literalism. You are there. I'm the most literal person. You are. Yes, you'll never meet what? a more literal person. What is going on? I don't, no hyperbole. I don't, no. no. You could still do it. But like, take, like horror movies. Kumail, my friend Kumail, had a bit about this. And it was very true. In a horror movie, they always have to establish where the dead zone for the cell phone is. You know what I'm saying? So like, I've never seen them. You, what lies beneath is one that comes to mind. Harrison Ford. And no, I know what it is. I remember the come attractions, but I didn't see it. But they have to, that was late enough in the, in the timeline of mm -hmm. earth that they had to have a thing where it's like, and I'm getting no signal. That's the modern cell uh, phone. Huh, I'm getting no bars. Right. And that's how, you know, why don't they just call nine one one? Why don't they just call their friend and say, we were wrong to send you to the Winnebago. Come back. The killer is out there. It's a better, but here's my my main point. Forget showbiz, because mm -hmm. you you're right. You could end it another way. When we were in Hawaii, not using our phones, we would miss each other for meals. You know what I mean? You'd get caught up. Oh, I remember to them missing each other for meals. Well, not only yeah. did we not have a phone, we didn't know what time it was, right. so we were just like, I think I'm on time. It was very magical. Yeah, and it's better for comedy. It was all everything's better. <laughs> Everything was better. Now everything's worse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're like half hour in, and we're going to really get to it. <laughs> well, do you, are you, you're not into technology, or do you like it? No, I feel like it's. Uh, I'm a luddite, as they are say. Are you? Yeah. Do you like how bad are we going? Are you watching commercials? <laughs> no, no, no. I have a DVR and everything. I'm just saying. I, you know, feel like we should all be on the little house on the prairie, and like we'd be happier. Yeah. Know? 
We would. Right. Do you ever, and is that how you recreate? Do you try and unplug? No. The most plugged in. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm checking my phone like all day long. I'm a victim of it. I'm just aware of how horrible it is. I'm going to pitch you an app. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. It's an app. Uh, I, I don't know what we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. You can think of a name. You're good like that. But it monitors how much you use your phone, right? Right. And then, but you enter into a pool with your friends. You and I could do it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it posts the score. Lowest is the first. So yeah. we have a little sense of competition where it's like, holy shit, Pete only looked at his phone for three minutes and 27 seconds. I'm seven hours and four minutes. Right. I knew I shouldn't have watched Netflix on the train. Right. I don't have a name for that. But are you in? No. <laughs> I just I don't want anyone to know if how much I'm looking or not looking. I'm not like that. I don't know why. But would you like something that would help you not look at your phone as much? I should want that. Uh, but for some reason, I'm resisting it. I don't know what to do. Because you're so literal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. I killed him with my little. <laughs> You're okay, very, very literal. I know. I'm coughing. I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did cartoons. Yeah. You yep. submitted for years. Yeah. You have a warehouse full of rejection yes. slips. You sell one. Yes. Tell that story because it was in the intro to one of your books, and I know it better than you do. Really? <laughs> um, I just remember that you sold one, and yeah. it was very emotional. It was. I don't remember writing about it because I, I remember I've talked about it on, on other on radio shows and stuff. Okay, so I came home. I got my first writing job at the same time. I was failing at both as a cartoonist and a writer. What did it look like as a writer? Sorry to interrupt, but what were you doing? Well, it was back then. I was trying to be a, a comic writer, <coughs> a half-hour TV writer, and I would write spec scripts. And I wrote spec scripts for, like, every single thing that existed. Like, I wrote Golden Girls. I wrote, like, three Golden Girls. Each one worse <laughs> than the next. And each one, this is like, I thought they were so brilliant. Like, I thought this one where Blanche got a new dress was the most brilliant thing anyone ever read, writ, wrote. And I was like... Like, no one wanted it, and no one thought it was funny. Mm. Anyhow, I would do, I did a duet. Do you even, duet? It's way before your time. Yeah, I don't know that. That was a sitcom. No one, I'm the only person who did a spec duet. It was on the first wave of Fox sitcoms. Um, The Married with Children wave? Exactly. Okay, I I remember that. It was on Sunday night, but that's the one that lasted. Duet was not on that long. Yeah. so I, had, I was writing spec scripts and trying to get no agents. Agent yeah, exactly. Not and, and you know having meeting and wrote a blossom, wrote you know anything. Yeah. So, but that's key. So I, that's I, what it looked like. Anyhow, yeah. you're asking me what it looked like. I was writing specs and trying to get an agent and not and not succeeding. So sending the specs to submission places and and agents. Basically, just agents at the yeah. time. I don't remember like a right. way to you know get a job other than through an. I wasn't aware of one. Right. Other than how I did get a job, which is that I ha- was an assistant to a, a writer who was, did awards shows. I had been his assistant um, for about a year, and then he got an he was producing an Emmy Awards show, and he knew he knew my material, knew me, and hired me at the very lowest level as a writer for the Emmy Awards. Hmm. So that's how I got my first job. Did he know your cartoons? Did it help that you were doing other things? No, because I was not, not succeeding yeah. as a cartoonist, and he wasn't couldn't care less. To tell you the truth, <laughs> even now that they've been published for 30 years, he still doesn't really care. <laughs> Just not a cartoon person. I find that people either really care or they don't care right. at all. So I had my first agent, you know, thought I was a cartoonist for the New York Post. That's how she pitched me. I mean, that's how little she cared. She was like, he's got cartoons for the New York Post. Um, <laughs> it's the New Yorker Post. Right. So... <laughs> 
I came home from the Emmy Awards from work, and instead of my self-addressed stamped envelope, there was a FedEx mm. from The New Yorker. And this was, you know, after every single week for years, I, I couldn't even believe it. I started to shake. Like, I couldn't believe that it was a, not my self-addressed stamped envelope. And at this point, I'm, I'm remembering your own story, you were including cover letters that said, I know you right. don't look at any of yeah. this shit. Right. You print all this garbage yeah. that's not as good as this. Right. I started angry. out saying, like, enclosed, please find 10 drawings. And, uh, you know, enclosed, please find 10 drawings for your, you know. Yeah. Uh, Approval. Or, like, uh, what's the word? To, to for consideration. <laughs> yeah, consideration even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after years and just getting my self-addressed stamped on, you know, just going and, and submitting the self-addressed stamped envelope. So I just felt there was an assistant there just taking the, <laughs> the cover letter and the drawings and putting them back in my envelope and sending them back to me. Right. 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 He was going into a, a void. Anyhow. So after a while, I would say like, you know, here are 10 drawings in any other fucking magazine on the planet would publish except for you stupid assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Because it just didn't feel like anyone was actually reading it. So the first sentence in the FedEx was, Dear Bruce, I know you think we haven't been looking at your cartoons. <laughs> but we have, from the art editor at the time, Lee Lorenz. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you still have that, I'm assuming. I do, but it, I, I don't know where that one... I mean, it is in storage. I just don't... I, right. It's not readily available in any way. But this power out could be because they're all burning right now. Right. <laughs> like that's where your mind And goes. you know what? I'll be free of it. <laughs> you don't want my app, but you will take a fire. I will. <laughs> I, I, I really am of a mind. Like, if someone... Now, when something spills, like, if I... If, like, something... Or our toilet overflowed, and it was a big mess, like, about last week or something like that, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm cleaning all this shit everywhere, and it's like, I'm... You know, I can't believe this. I'm so miserable. And then I was like, you know what? At the end of this, I'm going to have a really sparkling floor. And it's like, you know what? The floor was not great. It wasn't sparkling before. So it's like... You know what? Everything is a gift. Well, you're seeing how suffering took you to where you didn't want to go, cleaning the floor. Right. <laughs> but it's like I've, you know, anything. So it's like the stuff all burns. You know what? That's going to be a gift. <laughs> oh. I was saying that when I was in Uganda, Africa, <laughs> Africa that the power would go out. Because we had to stop again because there were no batteries in this. Because the power is still out. It's kind of magical. This is kind of like a toilet overflowing. Anyway, yeah. and yeah. in Uganda, they would have the village I was in. They'd only have power for three hours a night, so everyone would get up at, like, two in the morning to watch CNN, mm -hmm. because that's when they had power. And then you said, who's Cheryl Teagues? <laughs> and I didn't know. Right. Now everyone's up to date. And now, so you got in, and then you uh, were very emotional about it? Oh, yeah, I cried. You cried. I definitely I cried when I couldn't believe it. It was, like, a real moment in time. Like, you know, I spent my 20s... A large portion of my 20s feeling like I was on the outside of mm. things. And this, to me, was a signal like I was on the inside. Yeah. It was like a big deal. I mean, the writing, too. And it happened at the same time. Right. Like, I spent so much time, like, outside, like, knocking, like, well, please, I'm here. Does anyone care? Is anyone interested? Yeah. And then to feel like, oh, I've, I've gone to inside. I'm on the <clears throat> other side of this. Mm. It's like the most, you know, biggest thing in the world to me. And what, um, this is kind of an obvious question, but I think it's obvious because it's a good question. What drove you, what gave you that compulsion that we all have to want to be on the inside? Some people don't, don't seem to care. I'm thinking, um, cause when I read your book, <clears throat> it resonated with me, mm -hmm. the loneliness of, of childhood mm -hmm. and without being too 
trite or commonplace. I think there is something about feeling you either get a taste of recognition, you want more, or you want to be seen, you're having all these thoughts that you want to share and, and have responded to. Was that it? I don't know. I'm very confused on this one. I don't have, you know, I've, you know, there's been a lot of therapy. There's been millions of things, and I don't have clarity on this particular drive. You know, I have theories, and it may be a variety of things. One thing is, I don't, I didn't feel that much. I didn't feel, my parents loved me, but I didn't feel loved by them. Mm. And so there may be, like, the same way an actor you know, goes on stage to get love or something like that, there might be this feeling of, I I need the world to love me. Right. I need the, I need every single person in, on this planet to love me. Right. right and right. What, my way of doing that was through, you know, like writing or something like that. And that way, the, if the entire world loves me, I will feel loved by my parents. Right. That might be one, an element to it. There was also, I mean, I really remember, and this is, you know, a lot of this is in the book of, being in my house and life being sort of ordinary and I, and, or me feeling like I don't, I want something more than this. I want, not that I have an extraordinary life in any way, or it's not like I'm, you know, I, I don't do, I, I, but I do. You're yeah, you absolutely do. right. Yeah. So I just felt like I just don't, I don't want, if I'm not special, quote unquote, whatever that means, like I'll die. Like I just can't be, not special. I know it's a tricky thing to talk about, but I remember being at my uh, aunt's house for Christmas, and I went up to the bathroom because I was having, I don't know, it's not a panic, people throw around panic attack. It wasn't a panic attack, mm-hmm. but I was having high levels of anxiety right. at the ordinariness of it all. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of grotesque to talk about, but that's what it was. It felt like I need to uh, get out of here. I need <laughs> I need to like bl- blast off the launch pad and find my way to where I feel satiated and, and peaceful. Right. And I feel peaceful when I'm performing, writing, and right. creating. Me too. So when right. I was there, and we were kind of doing... <clears throat> there's a lot of playing the same record when I go home. You know, you, right. you put it on, it's the same. This is not. I'm not putting anybody down, I have to say that. My therapist calls those pop-ups. I have a pop-up mm-hmm. where I'm like, uh, it's, it's not that I don't love everybody. I do. I love my family. But like, you, you notice you're having the same conversation, same, literally the same food, oh, yeah. same seating right. pattern. Sure. And you're just like, it's not like uh, some shallow, like, I, I want to meet Jack Black. It's not, right. it's not that. It's like, I need to go where I can hook these hoses up to things that want what my hoses give. This sounds yeah. very phallic. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I need to be yeah. drained. Right. Again, phallic. Right. But you felt that too. So tell me, I love your book. It was so moving to me, and I've always wanted to have you on the show. But when I read uh, I Was a Child, I was like, holy shit. This is that thing that when you see... We just watched Tree of Life. Did you see Tree of Life? No, I didn't. If you watch something like the Tree Terrence of Life... Malick movie? I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know directors very well. Or Boyhood or something. That I rem- saw Boyhood. I think Tree of Life actually nails it. I don't want to say better, but more for me. It's Mm -hmm. more what it feels like to be a boy for me. But we forget this huge chunk of our lives, which is sitting on the floor and and like giants that like hold your existence in their hands. And sometimes they're fighting and sometimes they're angry or they're upset or they're happy or they're drunk or they're smoking Mm or... They're blaring the TV or they're trying to sleep. Like, it's weird to be at the whip. And that's a very isolating feeling. And I read this book and I was like, oh, my God, it was these little little uh, vignettes that I was like, oh, somebody else gets it. And that's 
one of the things that I love about it is that solidarity where you're like, I thought it was just me that felt that way about this whole block of, what is it, like, born until you're... Until, yeah, basically... Nine, ten... Right, I don't exactly. even know. Yeah. 12? Even a little late, later, yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> trying to figure out the world and not being able to figure out... I figured out the world from TV, not from my parents. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's a big part of the book. Like, my parents were not giving me that much information, and they didn't seem to know that much. <laughs> so, when I... <laughs> terrible to say. <laughs> no, it's they really It's in the book, so I've already had it, and it's in print. Yeah. Uh, so, I just... I, yeah, I figured out the world from TV. Yeah, and that was, you know, really, uh, that's another reason I think that, you know, I sort of be- wanted to become more than what I was seeing was that on television, everyone was always transforming themselves. Like, mm. you know, like, you it's know, all about change. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and about it, like you're, you're in this position, you're stuck here. How do you get out of it? You become even like commercials were that way, like TV shows, movies, everything actually commercials gives you, really are that way. Well, I have that one in the book about you and it's before I your time, but the, the rich thrift shop where a woman would be, you know, anything would be like nails. It's like you, you, you go out and you get new nails and it's like suddenly everyone loves you. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that was the classic trope of commercials is like you're not you don't have to be stuck in your existence or yeah. about uh you know tv shows same thing i wonder if that what makes them kind of sublimely pleasant there's like a subtle pleasantness to a commercial yeah. as you see a little arc that guy needed lunch right and- that's all he needed like, <laughs> he got that plastic cup and now he's gonna have the greatest life of all time but you're right that that feeling of stagnation mm-hmm. a pond as opposed to a river right. is like such a compelling human thing and you're right uh, I wonder if that's why TV is so important to you. I have to assume it's somewhat important to you. You work yeah. on Girls, one of my all-time favorite shows. Not, I, I, I don't say this to be funny. It's not because I have a girlfriend that likes Girls. I watch Girls independently of her, mm-hmm. and then we uh, bonded over that later. But I, 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 I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like protesting too much. I just think that people think of it as a girl show. I love that show mm-hmm. as a female show. It is a female show, but I love it. And it is, you see a lot of transforming and stuff. Do, do you get any sense of like doing the work, giving something? Oh God, I was going to say giving something back. It sounds so cheesy, but like, do I get a sense <clears throat> of what do you mean? Doing for others. What like what TV was done for, for me yeah. or done to me. <laughs> I don't, I'm not aware of that. You know, I'm, you know, what it, what writing does for me is I feel like I'm expressing my truth of whatever that truth may be at that time that I write it. So I'm not aware of like the historical, like I'm doing something, giving something, you know, giving people who were in my position 30 years ago, watching it, like, you know, something to a beacon of light. It's really much more of a selfish kind of like, I need to say something. And And it feels good to say it. Yeah. Nothing feels better than saying something. (laughs) Nothing feels better than saying, yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) Especially I go through life not saying so much. Right. Right, right, right. In fact, I feel like I go through lives not saying anything. Right. Almost. And then you have this this that, outlet. Yeah, the cartoons or writing, you know, where I feel like, I, okay, now I can finally say things. Right, right, right. I mean, other people in my life don't feel that way. They, <laughs> they feel, as you probably already feel, yeah, I'm speaking too much. You know? the, no, 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 no. That's I'm the one that always thinks I'm talking too much on this podcast, and I always am. But I try, I try to articulate this before, is the vast unknowability of your inner world. I mm-hmm. really think that's something that, like, we just go, like, no... 
I know the top level of my thoughts and feelings and my identity, so I kind of know it all. But we all know that feeling where you have a flash of some strange impulse or some weird uncalled for loneliness. Sure. You were talking about how you can't even diagnose why you like drawing cartoons exactly, although mm-hmm. I thought you gave a pretty good answer. But like, we don't know ourselves as well as we claim to know ourselves. We know our identity, which we construct. We know our narratives. We know our narratives. And we, right. I know how you expect me to behave. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even based on how I look. Like, I'm a tall, doughy, oafy, loud guy. You probably think I'll be that way. And I'll be like, I can do that. You know what I mean? I'm not that way. What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't. I, I mean, I'm joking. But I'm saying, like, I didn't. I, I personally am not expecting you to be anything uh, other than how you want to be. Thank you. <laughs> but but there is kind of a unexploredness yes. to the inner world. Yes. And then totally. it, and there should be more. You know what I mean? Like we should all we should all be exploring our unexplored, not exploring our explored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sending the kite into the black hole, right, Exactly. And then pulling it back. Right. Do you, I know you you don't have the best memory for your cartoons, but can you think of an area or a specific thing or line that you wrote that was like that's something Holy shit, this is how I feel, and I want to get that out there. Well, you just quoted, was it on air or was yeah. it off air? The thing about, I don't want, I don't to, want be, to go to the party. I, I want to be invited to the party. And it's like, I really do feel that way. Like, yeah. I don't, I have no desire to go, but the idea of not being invited is horrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is, that is a, um, it's not a lonely feeling. It is kind of lonely, but it's a, isolated feeling people don't say things like that and then it feels good to publish it in a magazine that people are reading the fiction the fiction story and they're like oh that and then an ad for berets or rosetta stone i i just had one last week that's why i know it and people have seen it because it's in an article that people are reading about jill salawa's tv show transparent yeah and um it was a woman in bed saying she's too tired to click on things all day. Like the woman like on the phone saying, you know what, I'm just too tired to click. Like she's staying in bed that day because like, I'm, I'm too tired to click on things all day. And I really do feel that way. I am too tired to click on things all day. It is exhausting to be entertained constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and to do nothing. It's exhausting to like not actually, I mean, less exhausting to like, you know, sweep. Yeah. It's like, more exhausting just to like the little tap. The yeah, click, yeah, the little, yeah, like, yeah. The empty click that we're gives not, you nothing. We're not meant to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not what we're meant to do. Mike Birbiglia is editing his movie right now. Do you know mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know him. I think I met him in passing. Lena, you know, is yeah. friends with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know him at all. What? what <laughs> <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> or maybe I do. I can't remember, especially with people who are in the public eye. I can't remember if I've met them or not because they're in the public eye. So I knew who they right, were and what right, they looked right. like. And then maybe, and then it comes now to the point, there's this actress who I've, I've met socially a few times now, and I didn't say hi to her uh, at a at a thing recently, and she came up to me like, "Hi," <laughs> and I forgot I knew her because I've always known who she was. You know what I mean? <laughs> I used to be that way. I'd go to a commercial audition, and you'd see all these guys that you knew, not even from TV, from commercials. Uh-huh. So you really didn't know if you went to high school with them uh-huh. or if it's the guy from the T-Mobile ad. You know, it was a very weird feeling, uh-huh. and you still have that. Well, I have it specifically with people who are famous, who I've known who they are for over a decade or something, but now have met them socially, and now I'm expected to say hi to them, but I never remember about... I remember more right. that I used to watch them on TV than right. I've met them a few times. Right, 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 right. 
you remember they they were a slave to Jabba the Hutt or something right. like more than you're like, oh, I know that person. Right. Anyhow, so yeah, so Mike Birbiglia, go on. Oh, uh, Mike Birbiglia was editing a movie, he's editing his movie, and he said to me something very funny, he goes, we're not supposed to watch and re-watch and re-watch and re-watch and re-watch it like a clip mm-hmm. to watch like the difference between five frames and 15 right. frames. And he's just like, it's insane. And I feel a little bit that way when every time I stand at a urinal, I'm looking at like a constant, it's not even the news, it's the news as dictated by my Facebook friends. So just like, this is fucking unnatural. Um, you know what I mean? I'd rather be sweeping. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is why my app is a good idea. You should reconsider. Yeah, it is. At good. the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can even log your own sweeping time. Mm-hmm. I'll add that. All right, I love it. So let's talk, uh, your family, we could talk about dealer's choice. We're oh, talking great. a little bit about your family uh-huh. and the loneliness of that and mm-hmm. the psychological already issues I'm, of that. I'm bored and uh, I want to cry. Go on. And then you get into, it's very interesting to talk about your uh, writing. Okay. And Seinfeld, I think people would be interested to talk about that. Sure. I sure would be. And then girls, I think that's also very interesting to talk about. So we have three rich areas. I'm open to whatever's most interesting to you. Honestly. Which parent did you prefer? Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. Does everyone have a clear answer on that one? I, I've asked it many times and people, you get more of the guilt over having an answer than you get the no answer. Really? I mean, I'm, they were, I, <laughs> the way my mind goes is that like both were horrible in different ways. <laughs> they were very sweet people though. But like I, the idea, I wanted to be with the TV set. Honestly, I yeah. just wanted to watch Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> or, or watch like you know um, Shadow of a Doubt or North by Northwest. I just wanted to watch the four thirty movie. You know, it was a big thing for me when I was a kid. <laughs> so it's like being with one of my my mother was very tense, and she was sweet and very kind, and and she loved me, but Where she was she very from? tense. What's her, she what grew did up she in, do? Where was she from? She was a career counselor for a local college, and she grew up in West New York, New Jersey. Anyhow, she was just very, like, rattled all the time and mm. sort of was very, you know, was felt very, you know, put upon. Um, I, my mom would uh, pray out loud while driving. Right. Like, terrified of making a left. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, but what would the prayer sound like? It would just be like, oh, oh God, please help me let there be an opening. She, <laughs> she didn't start driving till later in life. So you'd be sitting there. She's so sweet and, you know, we've actually joked about it since. I love her for it. But she was like, I'm sorry, that must have been weird for you. I do worse stuff mother. driving with my kids. Uh, what's that? <laughs> just like, why won't they go? Why won't they go? I yeah. can't believe I'll never get there. I'm never going to get there. We'll never get there is that not what you're supposed to do with your kids my mom was doing that but to jesus <laughs> she's like jesus will never get there we'll never get there please right. open up a right. pattern in the in the traffic they don't even hear me anymore you kids I, they, they act like they don't let's put it that way yeah they're like oh he's just going crazy in the front seat you and i can talk anyhow so 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 your mom well, was yeah, very so neurotic she, no i don't tense. not neurotic yeah sorry. i would never use someone that's not one of my words but but maybe she may have it yeah but she was tense and just it wasn't very relaxing. It was yeah. like everything was like a problem. Like the roast beef isn't going to get done right. It's like, you know, everything. <laughs> oh, Michael's not home yet. My brother. It's like he could be dying. It's everything was sort of uh, it's stressful. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like I, I want to be watching TV. My father was uh, not very genuine, authentic. He was an, a, a, a great guy. Um, but no, is was, phony he, not one of your words? Is, is that. Well, I don't know about phony. Yeah, again, it's not phony as much as he. 
had a facade. I see. And it'd be like, he'd be like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not angry. <laughs> Why do you think I'm angry? I'm happy. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So he wasn't like, oh. a very transparent person. No, very opaque. Right. I had no, so I still yeah. have no idea what was going on in his head. None. He was having a, both my parents had a whole narrative going on in their head, like all day long. Like, like, uh, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to be late. What if I'm late? The, the person will come. You know, my father, I have no, he, that's my mother's narrative. I have no idea what my father's narrative, but it was very stressful, whatever was happening. And, whatever it was, the yeah. voices were not kind. And there was, it was a loop, you know, and so they weren't very present. Right. So, you know, so I didn't. Projecting the future, trying to predict the future. Yeah, this a lot is what's going to happen. Yeah, or angry. I feel like my father was angry about things. Like, oh, why did that happen? Why did they invite us here when we don't even want to go there? Like, oh, oh, they, if they had invited us for lunch, then they should have served us lunch instead of you know, like not serving us anything. So it was like, oh, all, like sort of something wasn't right at all times. And I you believe. had a brother. Two older brothers. Oh, and there you go. Meaning what? Hey, youngest. I don't know what is the sign of there's the a lot of things. I'm just I'm as a youngest child I'm oh. interested in that. A couple things could happen. We were just talking about how I feel like my brother was a linebacker and blocked some of the I'm going to say neuroses for my parents, mm-hmm. some of the weirdness of my parents and blocked it so I could kind of scoot around it mm-hmm. a little bit. He I certainly got it. He got it, but he functioned as a as a salve to me because I was the second. Right? Did they get it? Here's a weird question: Did they get the brunt of your parents? strangeness not worse but bigger was it a, a bigger impact you know it's a good question and i don't feel qualified to answer it i don't have the uh i don't have a ready answer of like yes they did or no they didn't right i think uh what i observe myself and so i'm assuming it's true of my parents and my brother is that the first one you know, there's more focus. There, there's more, literally, more focus on the first per- first sibling because that's all there is. Right. As each sibling comes along, there has to be less focus on that person because that's just the nature of the right. game. And they've done it. They've... it yeah, both. Right. But just literally, you have more children, oh, so you can't yeah. possibly focus as much, even if you wanted to. It's been because you have yeah. It's, and yeah. so that is a it's a changes how the person you know it just changes the dynamic. Were you close with your brothers, or were you watching the 4.30 movie on your own? We we watched stuff together, all in the family, and things like that. 4.30 movie, I think I, I was on read, my own. I just met Norman Lear. Oh, that's that crazy. That's great. Where'd you meet him? At a, uh, what is it, what is this thing called? Uh, his, like, pr- people, people for, for, for American, American women, women right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, a fundraiser yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, It was really cool. Jed was being honored. Oh, sure. And I met Norman Lear. Right. And then they started taking pictures of Jed and Norman Lear, and I just moonwalked out. <laughs> Norman Lear was big in my house. Yeah, I, I think that's it. in the book. That's okay. Norman Lear was my. That was like God. In Created my, uh, so many great shows. The Jeffersons, yeah. All in the Family, mm-hmm. One Day at a Time, which is exactly. a big one for me. But that's before your time. Right? I knew what it was. I know what it was. I but All in the Family. My I, my uncle is so funny, and I recently re- and not but and I recently realized hugely influenced by Archie Barker. You yeah, know I mean, I was like, oh, my God. In what way, though? That's how they... I mean, it just sounds like I'm using code to say he's kind of racist or something. <laughs> I don't know. But just like that sort of loud and, like, funny, like, cigar-chewing... Not brute, but like, you know... Well, he was brutish. A yeah. brutish guy, yeah. yeah. And and my uncle will pretend to be that, that way. That persona influenced him. And yeah, you yeah. think he wasn't that way before Carol O'Connor was doing it? 
I just think I watched a guy in the same way that I'm influenced by Homer Simpson. I, I, I can diagnose his influence. So that was a big show in my family, even if it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Although I do watch it now, and I like it now. <coughs> Excuse me. It's all right. But what are, we got to Norm. Oh, Norm, we, you say you would watch stuff with your brother. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were. I mean, one brother is seven years older. One is four years older. So they're, they're, it's, it's an age difference. Yeah. Know, it's not like uh, I have two kids that are a year and a half apart, and they're much more like peers. Than, right. than I was with my brothers. It was so, you know, it's just its own thing. Yeah. That's it. That is a, it's not a modern thing is to plan it out. Like we think in those terms now, it's like you want to have your kids about two years, year and a half apart so that they can be similar age or whatever. Well, I never, we didn't, that I personally didn't do that, but you didn't do that. No, no, no. My, my wife got pregnant. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it. In fact, you know, at the time, I was like, you're not pregnant. She showed me the test, and I was really like, I, I know, I'm so, I feel so bad. You think you probably want to be pregnant, and but you're not, and I, I'm going to be nice to you about this. And she kept saying, like, there's a line here. Why were you there's so a, sure? I just, it just, it just didn't think it was, you know, <laughs> just didn't seem likely. It didn't, it didn't seem likely, and the line wasn't that strong. <laughs> is that that funny that the line, I really thought like if it's that's a strong funny. line that's it's a kid a if there's line. not a strong line it's like oh it's probably a, a line you could see if you hold it this way it's a faint line yeah and it's a line that's probably even exists if you go like this anyone can see a line <laughs> that's what we're dealing with I literally said to her I said you know what because she said like what are we going to you know this is, I'm pregnant I can't believe this and I'm like you're not one of us is crazy <laughs> in this room, bathroom. <laughs> it's not me. I feel so sad to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you were so sure. I was, yeah. And then you were wrong. Yeah, she claims up until up until my daughter was born, I was like sure, sort of sure she was like it wasn't really happening. Just again. Yeah. Or just like, well, it's a bad one, you know, it's not really gonna happen. <laughs> That's that crazy. That, no, it gets us honest. <laughs> that is crazy. You really were sure you were not. It wasn't in the cards to have another yeah, kid. It just wasn't. Yeah. Anyhow, so we, I was the opposite of planning. Oh wow! But I guess I was getting to your parents. They probably were doing it. They were. They I think everyone back then. Uh, everyone. A lot of them. Uh, kids around me in New Jersey and Maplewood, where I grew up. And my cousins and stuff, everyone seemed to have this three or four year difference back then. That oh, seemed like yeah. it was the, I didn't know that many siblings who were like just one or two grades apart. Yeah. yeah so I yeah. feel like everyone, that is that, was that, a, I don't know if that was a thing in the 60s or the 70s to like, okay, you have a kid, the kid's out of diapers, then you have a new kid. Well, or for financial like reasons, I think that would make sense. Having two babies simultaneously, maybe that's good. That's not financial. Yeah. Cause you just yeah, share stuff. Share. It's probably. I think it was more for sanity. Like, you know, like, yeah. you don't want two helpless people, like, you know, that you have to tend to. Like, this one is up and running, and then you have another one. I don't know. Did you, uh, this is a strange question. My questions are so clearly my questions for myself, but like, yeah, sure. did your parents. Those are the best kind of questions, aren't they? I think so. I'm wondering if how did you feel your parents viewed the, all the boys? Was there, a, was there a favorite boy? Was there one that was like, couldn't get out of the fast soon enough. Was that you? Are, are either of them close with your folks? But the question is, how did they view us in terms of, was there one they liked more? I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not, I like, think that's an interesting question. Is, is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah. I don't know. They seemed... It all was kind of the same. 
I, they had different... Because you're the baby. The, the first thing that comes to mind is we irritated them in different ways. <laughs> Honestly. Everything you say is funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. They were... <coughs> you said something very similar about your parents, and you guys were also being irritating in your own ways. Yeah. What was your thing? I was literal. <laughs> <laughs> so you've always yeah. been this guy. Yeah. The most literal guy. Yeah. That's crazy. And that would bother them? I don't it's what came to mind, so I think it must have. It's yeah. so, like I was like, well, why you know, you I I said I was gonna do well, I was just taking you at what you said. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Like, I'm holding you to what you said. Well, it's like yeah. what you said. Why yeah. am I why is that literal? Yeah. It's yeah, actually yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I would have my parents sign contracts. Like if they, like, let's say I wanted a phone for my room. I remember that was a thing. Mm -hmm. I noticed very quickly that uh, you'd ask them in a good mood and they would say yes. But then later they'd be a little bit stressed. This is pretty normal, I think, to be a little stressed. And they didn't feel like getting me a phone. So I would, when they were up, I would have them sign documents. But were the the documents weren't binding. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just curious as to... You are stuck in there. You are trapped. You're trapped inside yourself. Well, I'm just curious. Did they did they feel that? Did they always? Oh well, yeah. I signed the document, so I'm giving you. I mean, I wouldn't if I. At least I could say, "This is your word." You know what I mean? You signed your name on the line which is dotted. Peter can have a phone in his room. It's so crazy how I'm so, as a parent, on the parent side of like, I was in that moment. Of course I thought it and said it in the moment. I'm just living in, you know, I'm trying to get through my day. So of course I said, like, you can have your phone. But I don't think, I'm only now just beginning to think of my parents as people, (laughs) you know what I mean, that have their own needs and and their own lives. So as a kid, I definitely just thought of them as my parents. I was like, you said I could have a phone and now I don't. I didn't have the empathy when I was seven or eight or nine or ten or whatever it was to go, oh, they're probably being really stressed out and maybe it's financial concerns and maybe mm. they don't have $30 for a phone right now. With my kids, uh, they, they'll they say to me like like a week after something, they'll be like, well, you said I could do this. And I was like, I did? <laughs> and then they get, and then the, one of them if they're and I they, they're pretty honest people and so if they're really on, if I can sense I did say it and they're being honest I'll be like all right I guess it's as if I'm someone else I'll just be like all right I guess you can do it <laughs> I don't even need to think about it now I I personally wouldn't say yes to this but since I said yes yeah. a week ago yeah. all right I guess I must know more than I do. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> but I really trust them. And so if I said I, they could do it, I'm, well, I must have been in my right mind when yeah, I said it. Yeah, so yeah, sure. Well, that's what the contract is, you know. Right. You, Bruce Eric Kaplan, being in sound mind, <laughs> right. say that I can go to Disneyland with All my right, friends. I'm coming full circle. I really understand why you held them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so your parents, uh, your family situation seems less, I don't want to say less than ideal, but it felt a little bit well, cold. It was less than ideal. Yeah, sure. a little bit cold. Yeah. Uh, what do you do as a parent? I'm very interested. And here is somebody who got the rocket fuel he needed from whatever feelings you had mm-hmm. as a child. And, and that propelled you, in my opinion, to great success. And so this is actually something Judd talks about in his stand-up. He's like, how do you mess your kids up enough to keep them interesting and creative, but also give them like a good childhood? The childhood he does. I, don't, I mean, I think, you I don't know, think there's really no doesn't. effort 
to mess your there's no it's not hard to mess up your kids you can try to be the most perfect parent of all time and you will still mess them up is my yeah. belief yeah you will be too perfect yeah. you know so there's always something for them to they're just people and you're just a person so no matter you're doing your best in whatever way you're reading all the books you're trying to be as conscious as possible and yet you're still there are not you're going to fail them in 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 deep ways, right. no matter what. I I mean, I, it sounds so negative, no, no, no. but it's not because it's that's so, just what life is. Yeah, and so we fail ourselves. <clears throat> why wouldn't you fail right. children? So to answer your question, it's like what I to to remedy what I didn't get. Uh, my great greatest desire was for authenticity hmm. and to 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 for someone to be forthright about what they were feeling. That That's was a that was my direct relation uh, reaction to yeah, your father, right? And my mother, yeah. Um, I love that too. Just to relate, I, I felt a certain stoicness. My dad is, as Ramdas would say, really buying into the role of dad. I'm mm-hmm. your dad, and you're my son, right. and th- these are the parts we play. And as we get older, as he gets older, and I get older, as we get older, I see those falling away a little bit and he, mm-hmm. and he opens up to me just as a person but I as you can tell like with this podcast and with my life I just can't wait to tell everybody everything that I'm feeling and right. I think it comes from a place of when I was a kid not knowing how people were feeling you know what I mean right and and, and that and how that how bad that felt and it because it, it, it does feel bad to be with someone to have them obviously going through something going through something or yeah. to have some emotions that they're not sharing with you yeah it's like the worst feeling of all that's I right think. Well, my girl, uh, Valerie, was complimenting me. I know that's weird to share a compliment about myself, but she was like, I, I always know how you feel. And I'm like, I'm really glad about that. I've mm-hmm. worked really hard to be able to be like, I am anxious. It's usually, right. I'm anxious right. about this. I'm sure. waiting to hear about this. Right. I'm sorry. I uh, Like the other night I got upset because she was being hurt by somebody and I was trying to, and I got upset because I didn't want her to be upset. Does that make sense? But then afterwards, I was like, I was only upset because this person is making you upset, and I'm trying to tell you that they're full of shit, and then I get all worked up. But that's something that you just... I didn't really see too much of that. Right. You didn't see that, like, sorry, I'm no. being a, yeah. a grumpy guy. Yeah. It's because I'm waiting for the deal to close, and it didn't. And I say that to my kids all day long. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's one big apology for how I'm being. But the other thing that I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, that I felt like was wasn't done for me and was difficult was to separate what I want or need from what they want or need. Oh, interesting. You know, like sort of like to really, there was a lack of separation, uh, you know, in general between my parents and us in terms of if they wanted something for us, they felt we wanted it for us, mm. you know, it was, and it's like reenacting your own childhood on, on your kid. And, and, and for me, I mean, I think it's important to see them as very separate from you. As like they, you don't, you don't own them. Yeah. And they don't, you don't know what they're thinking. You can only observe and they can tell you what they're thinking and they can, you know, but they're not you. Yeah. They're not, they don't have the same needs, goals, desires. I mean, this was, it's also of a different time, you know, and that was, I feel like, not as, it was a trap that I feel the parents of that time, you know, were not aware of, mm-hmm. I guess. So. No, absolutely. I think that whole new, it's a new idea to me to look at your children as individuals right. and, to, and to really kind of respect them. And then, but do, you must feel that urge to kind of push them the way that you went, like this did good for me and 
this did good for me, but you also want to... Like, you're listening to... I don't me. know if anything went good for me, honestly. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> that, I like them to watch a lot of TV, if that's what they, you mean. They watch a lot of TV? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Not that much, I guess. But no, I don't... I, honestly, I don't have those things of like, oh, this is... I really felt like I was on, on my own during my childhood. Like, I don't... I didn't have, like, a mentor or, like, a a pursuit, like, say... A t- sports or yeah. a club or art or I didn't have anything like oh I had this activity and it gave me so much I learned about sportsmanship or I learned about teamwork or I learned about uh, how to achieve something I didn't have any of that mm. and so I don't you know so I don't do you put it on my and, kids do right? you try and give them space like you had well I don't need to try they they take it. So, you know what I mean? But like, they feel a, free to take it. Yeah, yeah. There there are families now, I mean, where you can't... Some of the families that I love have that deep respect for their children where it's like, we're going to uh, we're going to the world market and we're going to buy gifts or yeah. something. And one of the kids will be like, I don't want to go. And they just don't go because they just feel like kind of kicking around the house. Mm-hmm. That is just like an absurd idea. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, no, we're going as a family. Get in the fucking car. <laughs> Why? If they're young, you can't do that. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you, these kids have are to be a certain, Yeah, yeah exactly. How old I mean, are your kids? Uh, eight and ten. Eight so and they're ten. stuck on Whole Foods. <laughs> I actually think it's good for them. What? To be forced to do something? You have to be forced to, to like, participate in the activities that make you have a life. Like, yeah. where it's not just, like, food doesn't show up. You have to see, like, it's drudgery to go get that food every week. <laughs> It's like, you should know. Is that a terrible Jewish thing to say? Like, you should know the drug. No. no, but it's important part of, to be part of the process to not just, you know, Have get you it. heard the David Foster Wallace uh-uh. commencement speech? Oh, yeah, of course. Water. Yeah, we I read it. It's Dan- at Barnes & Noble. I just read it, like, uh, I'm trying to think what month we're in. <laughs> I have no idea what month we're in. December. So I'm... <laughs> That's great. I have. I must have. Because it was out on the table. I'm thinking, what, yeah. what was it out this on the is table water. for? But was it for? It was six. It was June. Because it must have been for when oh, all the graduation. Yeah, yeah, it's June. A graduation. I can't too, believe because yeah. I feel like I just read it like ten weeks ago. Yeah, it must yeah, have yeah. Been. yeah. Little intersection before interruption. I said to Valerie last night. We were sitting on the porch, and I was like, I I was calling a, an Uber, and there were five cars in the air, and I was like, look, there are five cars. And I go, it's weird that we've agreed. I wasn't stoned. I was like, it's weird that we've agreed that there are certain things you should know, like counting. Like, it was good that I could count that mm-hmm. there were five cars. Right. And I go, and, like, there are other things that we all know, like like the day of the week. Like, it's helpful that I know that today is Wednesday. And I was like, Friday, Tuesday, Sunday. <laughs> and it was, I was my fifth guess or right. fourth guess. Just, like, you couldn't have, I couldn't have acted it. You know what I mean? Right. I, I performed it perfectly. Right. But if it were in a script, I would have blown it. You know, too hard. But he talks about the drudgery, the day in, day out of going to get groceries, you know, on a Friday in rush hour when all you want to do is go home. And by the time you get home, it's 10 o'clock. So there is value in learning how to cope with that. Mm -hmm. And you talked about your parents not being present people. I would argue that there's value in remaining conscious during that, not postponing your good feeling till when you're home eating the food, Mm -hmm. but experiencing and witnessing what it's like to be with other people who are also going through the drudgery. Right. So you're inviting your children to that. Yeah. It's the beauty of drudgery. <laughs> they're so, they're so, they hate going to Whole Foods too. Maybe. <laughs> okay. The horrible thing about writing a book about your childhood is like everything you do as a parent, you're then aware of like, oh, they could write about this one. 
Yeah. You know, like they could write about the trips to Whole Foods, the yeah. misery. It was. And you yelling at traffic and all that stuff. Oh, well, stuff. the Legos. I've talked about this, but it's like I used to like freak out uh, with my son about Legos. You know, I had would have to help him. This is, you know, years ago, although he still makes Legos. But when he was younger and needed more help, I would just be reduced to like, like an insane lunatic from these Legos. You know, because you know what they are now, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's like I didn't. Small I grew up. Duplies. I just. I grew up with little towers. So you just put one on top of another, and now it's like you know. There's literally there's uh, he you has, can make he has sets. You make you know things like the Death Star or whatever from Star Wars. You make these very complicated things with thousands of pieces, um, millions of steps. Like there could be say seven booklets in a in a Legos kit. Wow. And so you don't know the extent of this. I, there could be like seven no. booklets that each say fifty directions, fifty steps in each booklet. I mean, this is a lot of steps when you're making like say something really big and complicated like a you know like a like a death star or like some kind of spaceship with like several layers to it and different little pods and stuff if you make a mistake early on you may not know it's like i'm getting upset talking about it <laughs> i'm starting to i'm starting to shake if you 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 make a mistake, you're early on. Say it's step fifty-seven. You make a, it's an innocent little mistake, and you can do fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty without. You get to like step, you know, three hundred and fifty. <laughs> you can't put a piece on now because of this one little mistake you made it. You know, twenty minutes ago. That you've just wasted. I mean, you have to go back. Everything has to come off. It, nothing makes any sense. It's like, I mean, I used to go crazy. I used to go crazy until I started writing this book a couple of years ago. I was sitting at my desk writing. And I was like, oh, I can't freak out on the Legos anymore because oh, it's like because wow. I felt like my son will remember. Yeah, and like could write that down, like the level of like, what was him. what was happening, like yeah. with that me and that Lego set. I've been there with IKEA bookshelves. Mm-hmm. And like entertainment centers and stuff, and mm-hmm. and it seems so stupid that there's like two nuts that look so similar, mm-hmm. and you use two F instead of two G, and you and then realize later that two F was for a very right, specific no, right. purpose. <laughs> it's the, I, I I've done this too with cribs and stuff like that, uh, like two screws that seem very similar, but one's a little bit longer than the other. You use the slightly shorter one or whatever, and then you get to the yeah. point where you need the longer one. You're like, yeah. I mean, you use the longer one for the short one. You're like, yeah. oh my yeah, God, yeah, I yeah. have the short one for the long one. I'm I, yeah. screwed. Yeah. My, my life is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's a You can yelp at, there's companies that will build that stuff. Oh, sure. Which is great. Yeah. Very reasonable. No, I know. I think now I'm, I've used them. I, I had someone build. The, we have an elliptical, and I was like, "I'm not even, right. I'm not even trying." One guy did it. One, I used to one I rem- man. I remember I before I had AAA, I was like changing the tire. Like I remember, like on Burton Way, I was out there, like in you know in my twenties, like, "All right, I got a flat tire. I'll just change it." And that, yeah. And now I'm not at yeah. a point of that. There's a new app that'll bring you gas. I just saw it, so you don't even have to like trudge to a gas station. If you run out of gas, you can. It's called Purple. I just plugged it. But then send us the, free who's shit. The, who's the person who's bringing the gas? I'm There's confused. just a guy in a truck with gas. I'm so guessing. he's driving around all day long. This guy, I'm confused. Well, then he'd run out of gas, and then he has to purple himself. <laughs> I was so stupid in my twenties. I had uh, this old car, and I'm driving along Fairfax, and it died. And I was like, "Oh God, the car finally died. The car finally died." You know, I like went to the side of the road, called someone, whatever. Then anyhow, like, I never, I just hadn't put gas in it. 
It was just out of gas. <laughs> and I was so, I go, you know, for my parents, I go to the worst case scenario yeah, yeah, always, yeah. you know, like yeah. the nuclear attack here. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, the car's dead. It's dead. It's totally dead. I'm going to yeah. have to like, let's see what happens, how much it's going to cost. And the guy was like, well, you don't have any gas in this. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know why this made me think of this. Uh, you have an unregimented life. Some, when you're a TV writer, mm-hmm. on girls or whatever, you have a schedule. That's for part of the year. Yeah. When you're writing. And then the, some uh, of them were like prison, these TV schedules, you know, like where you're really like, uh, especially a network show, it's not that. It's not an unread. Just to clarify, on a network show of oh, 24 no, I, episodes, it's not an unread. It's a very red, the most regimented life. Oh, no, you're I, in prison, basically. And your hiatus is so short. On an HBO show, the hiatus is, you know, long because it's yeah. only 10 episodes. Yeah. But anyhow, okay. No, no, I, I knew that. I yeah. meant your unregimented side, which is your cartooning side. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how with kids and uh, and a wife, how do you manage? Do you have an office that you go into? When you're not on a schedule, Do you are you good at making a schedule for yourself? Yeah, I am. Uh, I don't have an yeah. When I don't have an office to go into, which is most of the year, I um, I just work when I can, where I can. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, when my daughter was very young, she she we split the room in half, and she her bedroom would was there or her crib at the time, and then my desk was in. My, you know, as I've lived in the same house for a long time. And then it keeps more people keep coming in, <laughs> you know, they just keep coming. And so, you know, the house is now like, despite yeah. the faintness of the line, yeah, exactly. keep coming. but so I probably didn't believe she was still going to stay. So that's why, all right, she can be in my office for a while. <laughs> that's really funny. Couple can, months. Yeah, whatever. Well, let's see how it goes. So anyhow, my point is that I'll just work wherever. Like, uh, so yeah, but are you good at closing the door and be like yeah. our work, but I don't, I'll work looks like nothing a lot of the time. I know, but I'll now just do it. Like, my kids have martial arts three days, four days a week. I take them, through, you know, most of the time. I'll just work at martial arts during the hour. I'll just, um, if I leave here an hour, and I have an hour before uh, I need to pick up the kids at school, then it's like, okay, I'll sit in my car and I'll, like, work on captions or I'll write. Yeah. Or I'll just, or sit somewhere else. Like, there's a library right near my kid's school or a cafe. I'm just, you know, I, I've... Once uh, I started, I used to be one of those, like, I have to work in the morning. I have to, like, it has to be first thing. It, you know, like, I can't talk to anyone. I just get up, right, have my right, breakfast, right. start work for four hours, whatever. Now, after having kids, I, I just would grab. Whatever you can. Yeah, like, my, I remember when my, you know, my first, my son was, was very young and would nap. I'd be like, all right, I got 45 minutes. It's just like, that, just go into. Yeah. All the first ideas are about napping children. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So so I'm 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 good about. I don't have a problem. Just sort of. All right. How much time do I have? How much can I do? Let do, me, you know. do people uh, constantly at parties or whatnot give you ideas for cartoons? It seems like one of the more imposable ideas. Like some drunk guy at a party finds out you're a cartoonist and goes, "I always add one," and tells you some terrible idea. It does. It happened. Definitely it has, has happened. It's not. I don't go probably to enough parties for it to happen a lot. And I also don't think cartoons are as popular. Vibrant. <laughs> They're not as vibrant in art form, yeah, maybe as yeah, they yeah. were. You know, say when I started. Yeah. So I think there's less sort of people who are like, "Oh, this is a great caption." Although I keep talking to people who do the 
caption contest. So people obviously, like yeah. And so there, and there are a lot of people it's out the there. The YouTube of cartoons. Yeah. So a lot of people are have uh, caption ideas. I actually have said in the, in the long time that you've known me. Yeah. How I can't remember captions yeah. of yeah. my own. I remember in my history of doing cartoons, there was one time someone gave me a caption that I thought was funny, and I did it. Really? And I remember this caption, and oh. I still think it's funny. What is it? Okay. This is years and years ago. I miss ago. bank rubs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was um, uh, a friend of mine uh, at the time gave me the, I think it was either her or her husband, I can't remember, had this idea for a cartoon. And the cartoon was a farmer... In a field. Already you like it. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because you're you're smiling at the remembrance. I think it's funny. Yeah. It's a farmer me. in a field talking to his wife or something, and he's sweating, and he says, and, oh, it's a wheat field. Yeah. And he's saying, it's not the wheat, it's the humidity. I can't believe you love it. <laughs> I can't believe you love it. Is that a fan cartoon? No, but a computer would get it. Is, is, Wait, what do you mean? But it's wordplay. It's the lowest. Oh, it's the lowest. I like form. it. I like it because people don't like puns. I'm shocked that... that that's the one that you were like. You got because it's not no content. I just to it. met someone mm-hmm. and they were like, "I have cartoons," and I was like, "Oh, I was in the New Yorker uh, a couple times," and I was like, "Tell me your ideas." They were all wordplay. That's the that's the gateway drug to real. You're the anti wordplay. You'll do a caption that's just like. Uh, like, like I, I my, just want to die. I wish my myself. iPad was right. my iPhone or right. something. You know what I mean? So like, I, I thought I, you were going to wordplay now and then. I, 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 I know I, you like it, yeah. but a, like a non, I was going to say civilian, a non cartoonist is going to pitch you a wordplay one. And the fact that you, not only did you do it, you told the story on this podcast. It's a term. You've opened up tens of thousands of people to be like, you know, bare left. I don't, I guess, <laughs> I love the, Look, it's not the way to see humidity is, is not bad. I don't know. There was something <clears throat> interesting to me about the farmer, and still is, <laughs> about that he's sort of trying to figure out what it is, why is he sweating, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't know, I felt like there's a whole thing going on there. I like that that's how you appreciate cartoons. Yeah. I have one of my own cartoons hanging up in my bathroom that they didn't buy. Mm-hmm. Which is a crow in therapy. I, I'm proud of it because it's a, a wordless cartoon. Oh, right. it's a crow are, in therapy. That's like a special. Like Mankoff loves. Like I there's thought, a special place in heaven for the wordless cartoon. I thought they were going to buy it and give me double the rate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's speaking, so there's a speech bubble, and in the speech bubble is a scarecrow, and he looks perplexed. Thinking. I know. I've gotten used to it. <laughs> Well, I have to visualize it. I can draw it. So, wait, say it again. The therap- he- so it looks like this. Here's yeah. the crow. Yeah. And he lo- that's a terrible eye. And he's thinking that. about the scarecrow. And he's No, he's talking about Oh, he's talking about the scarecrow. So here's a scarecrow. Yeah, yeah. And, and the guy looks... Why is the therapist perplexed? No, the crow is perplexed, and he's in a big lay-down Freudian chair. So he's talking about his fears. Yeah, he's I know. afraid of a totally, scarecrow. Totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. But am I not? I am appreciating it. I guess you are. <laughs> it's a lonely feeling being appreciated by you. There's a Bruce Eric Yeah, what well, could be lonelier? Nothing, nothing is lonelier than nothing, getting, then be appreciated being by appreciated. me. <laughs> me too. I, that's how I feel. Ah. Nothing. My first cartoon was a guy in therapy, and this was the one that he thought was too man coffee. So I'll put it to you if you think it's too, uh, uh, too Kaplan-y. Was 
a guy saying, I think I accidentally repressed my good memories. That seems like one you might do. No. Don't you think? Yeah. That actually is. Um, my kids... Sorry for ripping you off. No, no. My kids... <laughs> I look. I keep looking at your therapist's couch and yeah. stuff because they referenced a, kid, a friend of theirs who wasn't going to be somewhere because he's going to a therapist to talk yeah. about his feelings somewhere, which yeah. I think is the funniest thing of all time, yeah. people talking about their feelings. They think it's funny? Yeah. They just yeah. were laughing like, oh my God, someone's talking about their feelings. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyhow, but then they, I'm just like, oh, he's doing what? Like I was thought I was interested. Like I didn't yeah. know. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and like, so you mean, and they're like, yeah, you know, he's going to one of those places like in your cartoons where people lie down. Ah. It's so weird that that, cause it is such a, right. uh, it's a dreamscape almost as a therapist couch yeah. because it's not. Right. It's not really happening that much anymore. Right. It doesn't it's happen that way. Yeah, exactly. You Freudian just sit in chairs and Yeah, stuff. you sit in chairs. It's very yeah. boring drawing. Right. I got very good at drawing therapy. I had a lot of therapy cartoons. Yeah. I'm sure you have things that you can draw effortlessly. Just lamps. Lamps? Yeah, that's, that's about it. Thing. Everything else is a, is a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Your people aren't fat. Right. So what? What is, I love girls. Tell me a little bit about what that's like. Oh wait, can I take a bathroom break? You may, and then, then when you come back, yeah, we'll yeah, talk about that. Yeah. This is the most interrupted podcast we've ever had. Ever, really? we've had three full-on interruptions. Would you, I know Aristotle, you're going to feel bad. Please don't. How could you know? Say something, Aristotle. Wait, what do you mean? Why should you feel bad? He's, he's a perfect, not a perfectionist, but he uh, takes his job seriously. It's not his fault. Anyway, we're talking about. We have two last uh, uh, girls. Girls. I want to talk about girls. Because I saw you and Lena and Allison and uh, Jenny and, anyway, and Jed do that panel. The one down the street at the Paley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember Lena said something interesting about okay. you, that you were the uh, biggest asshole. <laughs> no, no, that you were the reality check for the show. That you had like an anchoring type presence that uh, whenever they wanted to do something that was super wacky, they would look to you and you'd be like, would that happen? Mm-hmm. I think this is the literalness again. That's right? the literalness. I don't think that it's... it's. <laughs> I, I'm oftentimes... Uh, not even them looking towards me. I just... My natural uh, focus in a writer's room, at least for on, on a show like Girls or on Six Feet Under, which I worked on before Girls, was like, would this person do that? I want to understand this, these people, these characters. I want to understand them. All my only goal with people in real life or like characters on TV is like to know them better. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if someone makes a pitch for something that I don't understand, I, my natural thing is not like, oh, that makes me laugh as much as like I'm trying to. It is funny, but would they do it? And if they do do it, why is that? Mm. Like I'm not. I'm out so that I think that to me, that's what Lena was referring to uh, that's what i thought when i heard that can you uh, remember a pitch that you were no, like i know you <laughs> i can't there's definitely <laughs> i knew you would say that they're like it's like the cartoons they come and go i don't think of there was there's probably there was i'm thinking oh, like I, I, yeah go ahead i'm trying to think of you know i don't know why i don't feel like because it's what is it i feel like it's i don't want to Shit on the person that pitched it? Yeah, I don't know how, like, in terms of thing, like, because I just, I don't know. Just for some reason, it feels, like, not right. It's almost like, is it, I don't know why it doesn't feel yeah, right. but a writer's but, room, right, people exactly. are throwing ideas right, exactly. out. And uh, believe me, and I have, 
as many ideas that aren't used at all. It's just there's certain... Now, what's a real... There was something Hannah did in one of mine that I didn't quite believe. And I, you know, everyone agreed on it. I don't know why I have a block against coming up with them because then I do have, I remember, I remember, and this is answering about six feet under, not about girls, but whatever. There was this one moment in a six feet under script that everyone had, you know, cause similar to girls, it's, we all, all the writers sit around and we agree on an outline. Then you go off and write it mm-hmm. and everyone agrees on it. And it's a, you know, whatever. And, and in my experience, you come back and then they, they have problems with the story. You all agree. Oh yeah. Well, that always happens. <laughs> seeing it is different than, than talking about yeah. it and watching the character go through it. You may have, when you heard it, you didn't quite, think of, oh, well, they're here then, then they go here, then they right, go here, and right, it doesn't right. make as much sense to you. But I remember not liking something in a Six Feet Under script that everyone had agreed on, and I felt I had to write it. And I made it work for me and for Brenda. I think it was a Brenda moment. And, mm. you know, and it was so great to sort of... Um, to to have this idea like, oh, this person wouldn't do that, but then to to come like a, to make an adjustment, yeah. it's sort of what you were talking about in terms of what, the unknowable in ourselves and stuff. We have all have these ideas of like this is what I would do, this is how I would do it. But then you're not doing those things, right? Because you're sometimes, a mystery to yourself. Yes, exactly. And sometimes characters can expand in that way and get mm. deeper in terms. You have this fixed idea of who they are, but really mm. there's more to them than that. And so this is so embarrassing. I'm just going to say it. There was an interview with Mel Gibson, yeah, a hundred years ago. Literally, I mean, like twenty years ago or something, <laughs> yeah. where he said that uh, he when if he got to a moment in a script where, that he didn't want to do, he knew that that was the scene that he would end up being most proud of, like mm. that he would be most interested in it, because it was the the thing that he didn't think the character would do, you know, or that he didn't understand he would, that would necessitate sort of growth and sort of mm. coming more, a deeper sort of understanding of the character. Anyhow. It's almost like doing something you're afraid of in your own life right. t- is typically a good thing to do. And mm-hmm. then he's saying the scene that f- made him afraid or made him think that wasn't good. Right. I remember in Girls, we just watched the episode where she gets really drunk with her work friends. Uh-huh. And then she goes back with one of them. Joe. Joe. There yeah. you go. She goes back with Joe and Joe bathes her. Right. And uh, I love the show, but I, I was writing my own show, and I'm kind of watching it and thinking about characters and, mm-hmm. and things we do. And I'm not saying I bumped on it. I didn't have a problem with it, but I was You like, can say if you bumped on it. I didn't. I don't mind. <laughs> but in, in trying to get you to talk about a moment, mm-hmm. I could see you bumping on it. Is that she gets so... She gets drunk. She throws up in front of a bar. And then the next scene is her at a co-worker's place where he bathes No, her. I love it. I don't know why. Is I'm that, trying to. Why do you. I love it so much? Why do you love it? Why wouldn't they put her in a cab? This is just for the sake of the for the conversation. Because he needed. He's a caretaker. He needed to caretake. I to like, me, it seems very clear. Like of course, <laughs> like it was I a, compu- it was a compulsion on his part. 
to take care of her. Yeah. Like so he, it was he, a like him he, thing. I'm yeah. thinking that it serves the story that later Hannah tells Adam, and Adam isn't jealous. Right, no, I remember. So that helps. <laughs> I'm saying it for them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> it for you. I know you, you write on the show. I hope you remember that. But that helps the story. But I love that I, love that I tried to think of something that maybe you would think wasn't quite right. No. And you have no problem with it. I feel like our brains are in different time zones, and that's not a bad thing. I'm just in this weird other place. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh. Is your brain usually in the same time zone as the guest? No, I don't know. Although you, you know, a lot of the, it doesn't. That sounds like I'm not vibing with you. I am. I'm just. I can't quite get a pulse on what you might bump on. What's your name? Is it Shoshana that smoked uh, crack? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of big girls. I know. That's a good one. I think I may have not understood it originally when it was pitched in the room. Yeah. And I, oftentimes, again, I'll bring up Six Feet Under. There are things in the, in the writer's room that I didn't understand, that I never understood. And then I'll watch them. Ultimately, they'll be shot. And I'll watch them at home or in editing, yeah. whatever. And I'll be like, oh, I can see this. Like, yeah. it took it until it actually happened for me to understand it in a way that I didn't really understand it mm. beforehand. Mm. And I feel like Shoshana doing crack, although I'm not accessing a moment of, like, oh, she would never do that. Why would this happen? But it definitely, if you told me, it's if you had move. footage, yeah, and if you had footage of me at the time saying, like, would Shoshana do this? I'd believe it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I did, although I'm not, I, I really don't feel that way at the, in this moment. <laughs> You're in the moment, and you flow with it. Okay. Speaking of Six Feet Under, okay. and by the way, I, I want to say this. <laughs> I love those moves on girls. I was trying to find No, no, thing. I, That's understood, my, I right understood. There. I felt your love for it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Six Feet Under, we always end the show with talking about, uh, I'm very interested in your take on what is this? What is life? What is reality? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What's the meaning of life? What happens when we die? Is there a purpose? Is there... Uh, structure? Or is it nothing? Is it everything? <laughs> I don't. It's uh, the the question is so abstract. I'm having a hard time like. Focusing. Oh well, we can take it one at a okay, time. So what happens when we die? We die. We're in the ground and we're dust. <laughs> 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 Done. I got it, yeah. Well, you I'm wrote clear on, on that one on six feet under. You, you had to think about death a lot, so it is sure. done. Yeah. How does that make you feel? I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. good with it. Does it liberate you? Does it make you go like, let's eat some fucking ice cream because it's all going away? No, wait. Because if we were going to heaven, we couldn't eat ice cream. No, no, no. Well, oh. some people do postpone their joy to some sort of afterlife. Do they? For sure. That's I a Calvinist that. sort of Protestant sort of. Well, well, I don't know why we need to bring John Calvin into this. <laughs> but is that? I don't know. Well, Calvin's big thing was whether or not we had free will or not. Oh, uh, so it's just a regular Christian. Uh, heaven. Or yeah, it's it's a it's a heaven. Like you don't need to have joy now; you'll have joy later. That was a whole thing. Like, yeah. look at the the slaves uh, singing spirituals and stuff. That was a big theme. Mm-hmm. Was, this isn't my this isn't my world. I'm just passing through. Right. Literally, my life sucks. I'm, but don't worry, I'm going to be right. rewarded later. When I was uh, in high school, I remember not having sex with a girl and then feeling bad about that. Well, I have sex like, in heaven. And it wasn't even that. It was like, <laughs> I what would say is treasure in heaven would go right. like, I'd get treasure in heaven. I was hoping the treasure was fuckable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I'll find a scepter. <laughs> I'll get my well, dick. I don't know what language summer. that is. Treasure in heaven. What is it? It's biblical language. It yeah. Is? yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, you mean, so any religious Christian, it's Christian religion. Yeah, Christian, I suppose, oh. yeah. yeah. 
but uh, you know, th- that's not how I feel now. But I do sympathize with people that are like, I will do X, Y, and Z. Look at the martyr. I mean, look, what happens with uh, right. extremists right. on all sides? The right. But you're not. So no. what I'm saying is, yeah. if you if we could really wrap our minds mm-hmm. around the fact that this is it, I would. My, I might. Uh, when I was single, I might ask a girl out because I'm like, what the fuck do I have to lose? We're going to be dust. And I might uh, eat more, you know, pork belly or something. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't have that effect. I'm thinking. Yeah. I, it's so weird. I came to this thing in my head. This is where I tend to go to old movies for some reason, I guess. Because there was this movie that I that was on TV when I was a kid. Richard Benjamin is in it. It's like about the Cuban Missile Crisis or something. It's a comedy. Everyone thinks, I guess, that the missiles are going to blow up the United States. Uh-huh. And so he people do anything. Uh-huh. Oh, you it's know, like uh, it's looking a, for a friend for the end of the world. We is that, I didn't yeah. see it, but that's what it is. Like, everyone thinks... Everyone knows the world's going to end, so they all do heroin, they all have orgies. Right. Yeah. I don't... I'm not identifying with that in terms of... It seems like you should be very present if the world's going to end. This idea of, like, doing heroin or orgies, like that's such like a... Waste. Well, it just doesn't... I'm not... It's not tracking for me. It's like what you're getting out of it so much. Using writer language. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, so it's just like so. So my it's a long-winded way of saying like when you if it's if this is it, then the only my only response to like is just to be as present as possible because this is it. If everything is nothing, then nothing is everything. Yeah. Just like this. This room is all that exists. Right. You know, this is the only thing that's real because we're here right now. Right. So I want to be here as much as I can because this is the, that's it. That's all right. I have. Uh, Dalai Lama, just a guy. I, my wife has just read the Dalai Lama article in the New York Times yesterday, and she knows much more about him now I'm than just saying, I do. But he's not the reincarnation of the last Dalai Lama. No. <laughs> It's just funny making you say it. <laughs> but why? Or having I mean, you, you don't. Re- I mean, well, have you seen the Unmistaken Child? That's a documentary about how they look for the reincarnated llama. You don't. It's just nothing. I mean, it's like talking about fairy tales. It's hilly, but I mean, they but, sent a camera crew and filmed the child as they had him select his hairbrush from fifteen hairbrushes. Uh, right. and, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you're shaving with Occam's razor, aren't you? You know, it's, Occam's razor is one of those things I always forget. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Like, I can never... Occam's Razor, it's referenced in this Richard Russo book. Occam's Razor, I can't remember. It's, uh, it's, it's the simplest explanation is the most likely. Right, exactly. It was, I think it's Wonder Boys. Is that, no, that's Michael Shaven. It's in some... I think it's a Richard Russo book. Anyhow, they kept referencing it, the entire book, and f- I kept going back. Uh, and I still can't remember it. Like, it was like, I don't... I have this block. So, yeah. it's a, the simplest is out. The simplest explanation is probably the correct one. So, like, the other day, I thought this lamp moved... We were talking about ghosts, and I thought the lamp moved. And then I was like, or I kicked it. And I said, Occam's Razor, I kicked it. Well, I don't think it's the simplest explanation. I just think the one that doesn't involve folklore lore, or fairy tales is the one that's just things Most are. likely, yeah, I understand. It, I mean, I just... But I'm not even most likely. The other one is a dream you're having, this <laughs> idea of, like, reincarnate. I mean, it's like... I could say anything then. You know, microphones are gods. I don't... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, do, I, don't, I do know what you mean. Right, yeah. so why, why would I... Something that's so unfounded. Well, there's a lot of people that believe in uh, reincarnation. There was a guy that... Uh, I, I, I'm not an expert in this. I'm mm-hmm. just pushing yeah. you know, for the fun of it. 
But there's there's a I, I don't want to say the majority of the world, but there's a huge portion of the world that believe in reincarnation. That children talking about how they were stabbed and they go there there are cases where they go and find the person there that was their wife in the last life, and they're like, "Hey, I'm your husband." Weird shit, man. And you just think it's all baloney. You you lean towards baloney. Yeah, I don't want to uh, insult anyone no, with, with, with my own personal beliefs, but I think that I, <laughs> fact, I, I, all I believe is uh, the only thing I believe in is what's happening. You're a materialist, I guess. Yeah, without believing in, in a lot of having a lot of material things. <laughs> oh, I don't mean <laughs> I know, I the way that Kramer <laughs> said his neighbor became uh, a dematerialist, and that's why that's why we bought that he had a camcorder. I just have not. I, I guess I don't feel like I'm speaking the right language. I'm not. Fo- I don't no, follow. People no, people that not. are listening love this. We get into so much hooey in this show that like, uh-huh. to have. We had Brian Green, the astrophysicist, and to uh-huh. have the like you're dead and it's over and like what are you talking about reincarnation? What are you talking about the soul? What are you talking about the lifeguard God watching and judging and separating people into two groups? Right. It's uh, you're in good company, and and, and it's a, a view not expressed enough on this show because it's a completely valid one, of course. Not that you need me to tell you that it's valid. <laughs> no, I'm 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 happy. For you <laughs> but all of it, ghosts, baloney, yeah, reincarnation, baloney, ghosts. I mean, that's the stupidest. Thing. It's like you, an Albert. It's like a, an Abbott and Costello movie. Ghosts. But yeah, I mean, you know, sure. you die. Yeah. Tomorrow, and let's say you die tomorrow, right? And but then you Hopefully. you wake up in a bardo, the, like the Tibetan Book of the Dead talks about bardos, and you're in like basically a very complicated acid trip. You you think no, no, but again, you, you know, I was the one who said like one of us, you know, it's crazy here. You're not pregnant, so you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I'm dead I'm, over. Yeah. No, no. So what it, in your in your summation? We are the product of... I'm trying to articulate this elegantly, which is very difficult, which okay. is why we need Brian Greens. We are... Uh, th- there was nothing. There was the Big Bang, which we're still observing radiation from this explosion. And then a series of, of coincidences led to uh, a life-sustaining planet and then uh, evolution. But why, would you, why is it coincidences? Why isn't it just a series of events? I mean, I, I suppose that is a judgment. Yeah, I guess I, I'm putting a judgment on that. Well, you're you're coming up with a fairy tale where it's like it's a magical thing, coincidence. It's just right. Things it's happen. It's just what happened. Yeah, things happen. Right. You're right. The word coincidence is loaded. But then there's a, well, there's a narrative involved because if it's a coincidence, then it was meant. Right. Sort of. And then and then you know or not meant, but you know. I'm just trying to, uh, like I said, elegantly put put your worldview. It's just it is what it is, and this is what it is. I guess I'm confused as to why should there be a reason? Why does there have to be a reason? Yeah, very troubling question for me, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But why? Yeah. Why is that troubling? I, I remember know. I watched this documentary about uh, philosophy. I forget what it was called or I would recommend it. And it was like these vignettes. It was like these 20-minute vignettes with all these different philosophers. And there was this one woman walking in Central Park and she was, uh, I believe she was a materialist. It's just this, like, relax, don't look for meaning in everything. And then there was a dog, and she was like, look at that dog. It's chasing a Frisbee. Is there a reason? Why does there need to be a reason? And for some reason, the way she said, why does there need to be a reason, I just started crying. Like, I had a really hard time wow. in that moment. She also looked like my mother, <laughs> so that, like, wasn't helping sure. things. So here's this, like, smart person, someone smarter than me, going, like, there is no reason. Why does there need to be a reason? It was very difficult for me. Uh, I'm a reason person. I'm, a, I'm like, a, I lean towards believing and exploring. And if you told me you saw a ghost, I'd ask what color. I wouldn't say, well, what the fuck, were you on drugs or something? 
What's it feel like to have that? What's it feel like where you are? What's it feel like to be in there? It should feel better. (laughs) (laughs) That I know. (laughs) But I don't know. It just is. I don't know. You know what I mean? It just is. I don't don't have any... uh, no, first off, and I only know how it feels to be inside me, you know, not, not inside anyone else. So I can't compare it to anything. Yeah. Um, unlike, you know, Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin in all of me. <laughs> the 430 movie. <laughs> that was after that. Well, uh, well, but I'm thinking, so, but what's the reality of the question? Meaning, what's the, the, well, what's really, the content? I can reduce it to this. Okay. What, is, what is your meaning in life? My meaning is to, I want to make a contribution. I want to, I want to feel like, I guess I want, I want to feel like I was here for a reason. So if I am here, I want to do something for someone. I want to do something for you. I feel like hopefully this podcast yeah, is enough. Yeah, you are doing Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, I just want to feel like, oh, I was here and, uh, you know, this is my own sort of pathology or psychology or something of like, I want to feel like I... Writing this book was very meaningful for me because it, it felt like even if no one read it, which you, you're probably one of the few people who read it, <laughs> I just felt like I was here, I saw something, this is what I saw. Almost like a journalist. Bearing witness. You know, like, yeah, like I, so I made my, if anyone needs to know what I saw, it's here. You don't even have to meet me now. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can just read this and you'll know what I saw. And you can offer solidarity. And, yeah, or, yeah, or not. I can make you angry, I can make you happy, I, but, but at least it's like sort of, it's something. Yeah. It's it's a, it's telling you that I experienced this too. Mm-hmm. You may not, or you did, but you know you you can take what you want from it. So I feel like I I mean again it, it, it's a it's it's making a contribution, and you know trying to be nice is that I mean, is that a stupid thing? To say? Yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, no I, I feel kindness. embarrassed. You know, but, you, I, but I do feel like it's an important thing that we uh, walk around trying to be kind, even yeah. if we fail, like a lot of the time. You know? Kindness is my religion. You know who said that? No. The Dalai Lama, who you say is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I feel that. Now I feel appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Don't be silly. Yeah. Um, well, to end on uh, not such a heavy note, we'll do a speed round. I feel like you're a good speed round guy. Okay. What's, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about parenting you kind of already did one so you can skip that if you want well the first thing that comes to mind i'll do it like it's like a rorschach test or something it's love it's just you know it's like that not losing sight of to to focus on love not other things yeah uh the next one is what's the greatest lesson you've learned about love (laughs) (laughs) um again it's like a rorschach test that it takes work that love is hard. It's hard to love. I think. I mean, it may be hard for me personally, but but so, it's uh, you know you a lot of things get in the way. Yeah. yeah. Great. What's the greatest lesson you've learned about art? It's easy. <laughs> it's truthful. That took me a long time to learn that. But it's easy. Yeah. It should be the easier it is, the better it is. Oh my god! I'm not saying you shouldn't. You should rewrite constantly. You should yeah. redraw constantly. But it should be easy. It should just. It should be there for it should you. Should be elegant. But it should be like right here. Yeah. Like your art should be like right, like yeah. like so close to 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 the to here. Like you don't even. I don't want to see sweat. I don't want. I just just right there. Express. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great answer. Uh, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about comedy? 
I mean, I, this is just personal, but comedy is truth. Yeah. Like I just feel like that it's, it's it's the most truthful thing. It's the funniest thing to me personally. I agree. You know, Joan Rivers said, "I'm not funny. What I am is brave." Mm-hmm. What I think all the time right. is, "I'm not funny. What I am is honest." I think about that all the time. That's kind of like a mantra I try to hold on to. It's interesting, and I love her, and I love the documentary, or you know, yeah. I loved her. She passed, but in those little filing cabinets, those weren't honest. What do you I mean? mean? Those weren't, I forget what was in her filing. She cabinet. had like this dining room and, and the little filing cabinets of old jokes. That she well, was she saying. she said, "I'm brave." I'm say I'm changing her quote to say I'm honest. She was brave, right? But I'm saying she was. It, it's weird. She had uh, two things going on because she had that sort of Kathy Griffin thing happening of just like saying as she thinks. Mm-hmm. But then she had like these filing cabinets of these old sort of old chestnut stuff that she would hold on to jokes yeah it was jokes yeah interesting yeah that's funny because and that isn't the ease that you're looking for and it's also not brave to like go into your file you know what i mean she had it's like it's almost like she lost sight i think hmm. i mean i love her and I, and 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 think she's a pivotal figure but but i don't I, it's just interesting to hear that because i feel like she sometimes lost sight of that hmm. interesting um and then we always end on uh, the hardest time you've ever laughed. Can you think of it? Wait, I don't know what that means. The when, hardest time. When did you laugh? Oh, when did I laugh the hardest? You in all your literalness. <laughs> no, I get tweets all the time where it's like, it's not the hardest time I've ever laughed. It's the time I've laughed the hardest. Right. And I'm like, everyone knows what I mean. Enter Bruce Eric Kaplan. <laughs> fade in. Uh, the what, so I what was the time that you laughed very, very hard? You know what? I, it's the first thing that comes to mind. There was a... Actress on Girls, this older actress on the Girls, at the first or second season, and she was in the middle of of her line, and she suddenly went. She was like, and then we'll go down to the shit, <laughs> and she just. I don't know why it made me laugh so hard. I was reduced. Like, did I she was forget like, her line? Yeah, she something? forgot the line, and she did a shit. And I was like watching downstairs, like on a monitor. I wept. I wept so hard. I just, I still, even, I feel like if I really go back to experience that moment in my head, I'll never be sane again. I don't know. I don't know what it is that makes me. What is it that? Did so, she remind you of someone? Was it a long day? It was so pure. <laughs> the, the moment of like the her, the level of how much she felt shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just the, the, that's like the honesty and the truth. I guess that's what made me laugh. Is like it's so palpable of like she was in the middle of her line and it just went away. And she, it was like it was like almost like two personas. Like she was doing, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like the exorcist the or something. Yeah, exactly. I wonder. It kind of goes back to your love of authenticity. Right. You know what I mean? And right. your Charlie, like maybe that's why that's so funny to right. you is you saw someone stop acting. Yeah. I don't, I don't normally yeah. analyze yeah. these, maybe. but that's pretty funny. And it's also just very funny. Uh, if I could do that, if I could see that happen once a day, I'd be fine. You have it on film. You mean like it's on? It was, the, it was out. It was out. Yeah. They well, now, it. I, they, I didn't save it though. So where do I go into the? Fo- the I don't know. Somewhere. I guess in the editing, everything's on computers now. Somebody so has somewhere. that. Yeah. If I were your wife, this holiday season, I'd get a digital picture frame that just loops that. Right. <laughs> it would be incredible. It would be incredible. Well, if she All listens right. two hours into this podcast, she won't. <laughs> 
Bruce, thank you so much. This is a dream, man. I've always wanted you on. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you did it. All right. not Me too. I'm happy to be here. Would you say uh, keep it crispy? That's how we end. Keep it crispy. I love that you just did it. I, I thought maybe you'd be like, what's going on? Yeah. What does that mean? No. Shoshana, uh, there's a, I'm at a parking meter, so I was really like, all right. I, I <laughs> whatever say, I need to say. Yeah, got, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'll do whatever well, I need thanks, to Well, thanks, man. All right. We're done. Thank yep. you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.